Right then, welcome to track six. <laughs> welcome to track, track 20. Bloody light skin boy, isn't it? We got ghosts in the house with your brother, the medical guy. What we got over there, soldier? <laughs> oh man, that was a that was a perfect intro. Uh, but we just got a happy Halloween from the medical guy. Dressed up as the rock, we got the ice on the neck, $4. The ice on the wrist, $10. The Lululemon bag. You know, just impersonating the rock, you know, can you what the rock is cooking? Right then that's supposed to be funny, right? <laughs> going dark. Brother six, going dark. Stay frosty. <laughs> Welcome everybody to track 20. This is the light skin war. Dak Prescott versus Jalen Hurts. Coming up in week nine at 325 on Fox. Hopefully, um, YouTube TV doesn't strip it away from our TVs like it did most of Texas. I heard that was a massively wide complaint, you know, across the, the Cowboys universe. Uh, so, but yeah, happy Halloween to everybody. Um, I'm the ghost from MW, whatever you want to call it, Modern Warfare or anything. I've got my little knife handy as well. I thought about bringing a pistol on here, but then I remembered uh, I'm not John Morant and my job is to just uh, shut up and and talk, basically. <laughs> shut um, up and run a podcast. <laughs> shut up and run a podcast. Yeah, exactly. Um, well, of course, the medical guy joining us. Um, and we're here to bring you guys a shattering the script take. And we're going to start off with first take with Stephen A. Smith talking about Dak Prescott having an impressive week. And we'll go straight into that and give our responses. So without further ado, welcome Stephen A. Smith to the podcast. You are. The reality is, is that, you know, when I looked at him and the way that he's performing, the way they jumped out and all over the Los Angeles Rams. What's this chat revving about? I got to give credit where credit is due. I mean, I mean, the dead clock is right twice a day, Shannon. I mean, damn. I mean, I'm not going to sit up there and dog them all 16 weeks. A vast majority of the time, I have a reason to do so. Yesterday wasn't one of those times. The Rams are a different problem. We recognize that they are what they are for a reason. Uh, the, you know, but, but when you look at that, Prescott, I got to give credit where credit is due. Only quarterback in the NFL this season with three games completing at least 80% of his passes. That was one of the things that he did yesterday. I give credit where credit is due. Obviously, connecting with CeeDee Lamb, you see that chemistry continuing to elevate. Brandon Cooks, that's something that's developing as well. So we look at the Dallas Cowboys. Right then, the blokes of play idiot is basically what he's saying. Uh, going in there talking about Dak Prescott. He's my dog. He's a brother. Been <laughs> served with him in Task Force 141. Uh, 421. Uh, but no, yeah, I mean, Stephen A. Smith coming at it again. You never, you never know what he's going to talk about, you know, uh, on first take. You never know who's going to take, you know, Dak's side with, or if he's not. But uh, obviously, Dak Prescott had an incredible, you know, week eight, 25 of 31. And we'll get into Dak on track later. Uh, but yeah, your thoughts on, you know, Stephen A. Swift, uh, Swift uh, Stephen A. Smith kind of switched sides there. Oh, and- they've infiltrated you. They've infiltrated, infiltrated your brain the swift, now. The uh, swift effect. God, you know, all bro. I gotta say, all I gotta say about that, you know, in the in the the video passed around here lately of, of the rock is just you know him going, shut up, bitch. And so <laughs> that's really all I gotta say about that. When it's uh, I think there was a there was a Twitter uh post today that we shared in the group where it was like, 
a meme from SpongeBob, and it was when Dak Prescott is bad, Twitter or X just has like thousands of people around the app, and then when Dak Prescott is good, it's like crickets. There's <laughs> there's like yeah. two or three people around. So I mean, that's really all I have to say about that. Is just like just be be a little more be a little more of a steady a steady path and not such of a roller coaster with Dak Prescott, you know. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Keep keep the keep the double standards, keep the same energy for all the other players. Um when Dak has a good game, uh, you know, praise him. Uh when Dak has a crappy game, critique him fairly. And when other quarterbacks do the same thing, uh, you know, just keep it at the same energy. I mean, it's it's basically it's as simple as that. And it's what Michael Parks Parsons talk about talks about on the edge is you know, double standards. And you know, I actually listened to his podcast with about the the Rams after the Rams victory. And it was the first time I've ever listened to it, about a 30-minute thing. So if you ever uh, want to listen to Mike Parsons on a podcast, <laughs> go check it out. That wasn't too bad. Um, but, yeah. So moving – we'll transition into a little bit of the World Series take. You know, obviously Rangers are up 2-1. I just want to bring a headline on this, and we'll go into the NFL recap. Uh, we're recording on a Tuesday night. It is Halloween night. Uh, the Rangers were up last I checked five to nothing after a Corey, Corey Seager 430 foot potato. So hopefully the Rangers go up three one by the end of this podcast and you know on their way to their first ever World Series. So hopefully my Rangers get it done in Arizona. Um, um currently it is 10 to zero in the third right now, Jared. So, oh, uh, yeah. So got a little update from the analyst while we were. While we were uh, starting the pod, and I saw it uh, go off on my phone, and I was like, all of a sudden it was three to nothing, then it was five to nothing, then it was ten to nothing. So, uh, couldn't imagine a better start for the Rangers. Um, yeah, let's hope they keep it up. It seems Andrew Heaney has changed his ways from the ALCS and has figured out how to miss bats and miss barrels. Yeah, so, yeah. Um, Pitch so, effectively. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I tell you what, the umps. The last thing I'll say on it is the umps have been terrible in every postseason game that I've watched. Uh, yeah. Not just the World Series; the ALCS was awful. Uh, it's just been atrocious. But yeah, uh, yeah. Might, so the Rangers, we might, uh, we might hear a little bit more about the umps later in the podcast. Just uh, yeah, yeah. Put that in the put that in the noggin there. Uh, I wish I could do like the eyebrow thing that. Uh... <laughs> I could do it. It's just a. It's just like a. Yeah, like a little bit. <laughs> yeah, all I gotta say to the 10-0 lead right now is yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, here we go. Week eight NFL recap. Um, we got a couple of headlines for you guys that'll run through before we get into the recap as well. Uh um, so Seattle Seahawks take first place in the NFC West after the at the after the 49ers drop three straight games heading into their bye. Uh Will Levis. Shakes the NFL world with four touchdowns in his debut, finding veteran D-Hop on three touchdowns. So thank you to Will Levis's ex, that beautiful son of a bitch, uh, breaking up with him and giving him a revenge tour. Chiefs take an L to Russ and Denver um, to celebrate Denver bumps Taylor Swift. And then, of course, Battle New York ends in abomination as the Giants blow it with less than a minute and the refs were faster than a speed of light to stop the ball for the spike and the Jets win 13 to 10. Um, Houston had a rough week with an Astros series loss to the Rangers, a Texans loss to a winless Panthers, and the Cougars are blown out by Kansas State 41 to nothing. It's a tough scene for the city of Houston. 
Hopefully they can bounce back. And of course, the trade deadline, which happened today, uh, Chase Young was traded to the San Francisco 49ers. Leonard Fournette traded to the Seahawks. Montez Sweat traded to the Bears for their 2024 second round pick. Donovan Peoples-Jones traded to the Lions. And there might have been one more move that I was forgetting, but I think that covers pretty much everything on the trade deadline. Um, but moving into our first game, Thursday Night Football, Buccaneers versus Bills. Uh, Bills take the victory 24-18. to 18. I almost got this score right. I predicted 26-16. Uh, uh, to 16. But the Bills beat a team they were supposed to beat in this one. Uh, you know, Allen's mobility was really the difference maker. He got, you know, working on the grounds as well as the air. You know, you can always tell he's going to air raid uh, on his usually first two drives, and then you'll know what kind of Josh Allen you're getting. Uh, so he, he cooked this defense, and as he should. Uh, which it isn't a bad defense whatsoever. It, it's just you, if you can beat their defense, you clearly beat the Tampa Bay Buccaneers because Baker Mayfield isn't going to combat those elite quarterbacks. They all their wins have been you know rode strictly on the defense. Um, so Archangel Gabriel Davis, big performance to aid the Buffalo aerial attack. I'm a little pissed because I made a trade for him before the game, and they didn't. They wanted to veto the trade. Uh, it didn't get vetoed, but I also didn't get the player by the time of the game. And that's a 12 man. You're going to need your guys, but uh, one anyway, by a large margin. Um, but bucks now completely fall down to earth as you know, we kind of expected they would in week one. We're looking at that team. We didn't think it was that great. Uh, you know, you can only beat you with the defense. Like I mentioned earlier and Evans and Godwin find the end zone. I, I figured they might be, you know, trade candidates, but nothing happened. Um, so nobody moves the wagons like the <laughs> Buffalo Bills. There we go. Um, yeah. And so next up, you got uh, Vikings and Packers. So to just touch a little bit on that that Bucks and Bills oh game, I was, just, I was just looking at uh, just like the play-by-play and like the drives and whatnot. So the uh, Bills scored a touchdown to make it 17-10. Okay. The Bucks. Next remaining drives until, I mean, the game was was pretty much over, I guess, was so a touchdown right before half for the Bills. Punt, seven plays. Punt, four plays. Punt, three plays. Punt, three plays. And then finally, a touchdown. Oh, my God. So, I mean, they were in it at half, and then it was just like the offense, one offense could play, and one offense stopped playing. So... Yeah, and that Hail Mary. What do you think about, like, uh, not calling PIs on Hail Marys? I mean, I feel like it's got to be, like, I mean, like it was this past weekend, like, pretty obvious. Um, I feel like you – obviously, you're going to have to give a little leeway because when you get multiple receivers and DBs back there, there's going to be contact. But, I mean, like, there can't be, like, you know – people basically hugging each other in the end zone (laughs) like like you gotta be like okay guys like that was like that's obvious like you can't sit there and be like you know oh there was hand fighting oh there was contact it was like bro dudes like there were two dudes hugging like (laughs) like the entire defense was building a a -a build-a-bear i mean it was like cuddle with me yeah pause uh and uh (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but but yeah i it's just it's a very weird thing right there because i know it's kind of contradictory because we are a little bit because we talk about like hey you don't want the refs to affect the game that way but at the same time it's like well there's no way they had a chance you could say like oh they were making a play on the ball it's like no they were 
Yeah, were, DPI is DPI. The end yeah, you might as well just tackle the Like the <laughs> game plan for a Hail Mary is like, hey, don't let any of their receivers get off the ground. Just like yeah. hold them. Like, <laughs> I mean. Yeah, he had so a bet against was, the spread there. That's what Oh, it. absolutely. But that would, and especially watching it slow-mo makes it so much worse. Because you're like, Dude, what are they <laughs> looking at? Like, you got 17 refs at every angle. And it's like, oh, yeah, no, we'll hand fighting. A little hand fighting. We left it. Uh, yeah, a little, a little scrubby. So that was that was pretty crazy. Um, next game, uh, next game we're gonna go over twelve o'clock game Vikings versus the Packers. Uh, pretty shit game here. Um, but <laughs> kind of my takeaways: uh, the Vikings win twenty four to ten. Um, I thought my one of my big uh, big notes, especially for the Packers, is they got off to an awful start. They ran. Nine total plays accumulated for two total yards. So three three and outs to start the game and a combined two yards. And so it's a young team. Yeah. And so I mean, it, it doesn't matter what what team. I mean, I mean, you could play Iowa at, at a college and you'd still you'd still probably get some more offense out of that than than what was happening in that first first and second quarter. And so yeah, I just think for like uh for like Jordan Love, you you've got to get a quicker start. You've got to get him rolling, get him in the rhythm like quick. Or you've got to uh, use Aaron Jones and AJ Dillon to just pound the ball and like, hey, take right. some pressure off of him and stuff. A like little that. bit more than ten times for Aaron Jones would probably yeah. suffice. And I mean, both of those guys are are kind of some. They seem like more. They've used them more as bruiser backs now. It's like take some pressure off your off your quarterback and kind of get him in the rhythm. Um, and then next, funny enough, I have is uh, Jordan Love. Is he not the guy? Like with a question mark? Because he's even <laughs> he's though, not like, a guy. Is he a yeah, nag? <laughs> yeah. And so it's like, like what we saw in the preseason, obviously those were, and, and at the beginning of the season as well. I mean, you know, you're, you're playing, you know, second string, third strings, all that. And then in the beginning season, some teams come out to the slow starts, kind of like the Bengals and stuff like that. And so we saw like how good he could be. Um, so it's just it's just interesting because his receivers are back. He has all his offensive weapons, at least playmaker wise. I know his his O line's a little decimated, but it just doesn't seem like he's in a very good rhythm. He's kind of in a kind of a little bit of slump right now. That's what I mentioned. They got they have a bad O line right now. Um, he he's not sorry. There's a bug up in here. Uh, but. Uh, their line's been hurt, um, and, and, I mean, he's just getting pressured all the time and can't really get in a rhythm. Uh, and then, obviously, for the Vikings, a big thing, Kirk Cousins getting hurt. That's awful to see for the guy. Uh, after, you know, the big series came out, talking about quarterbacks and all they do, he just seemed to, like, make himself more likable. Uh, seems like a pretty normal dude. Because, um, I mean, when we look at these, these quarterbacks and whatnot, we kind of hold them to a higher level than everybody, and, they all make the joke about him, like, "Oh, he shops at Kohl's and whatnot." What well, it looks like, <laughs> he he looks like a dude. Like, if he showed yeah. up to uh, a buddy's birthday party, you'd be like, "Hey, man, what's up?" Like, he, he just seems like a pretty laid back guy. And yeah, you're like, "Holy a, shit!" I see him at least two or three times a week in Five Below for some strange reason. Yeah, like we saw him at TJ Maxx the other Saturday. Like, <laughs> yeah, what the hell? He was an uptown cheapskate. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and so. Tough to see that, especially going into I think another contract year, um, and him being a little older. Uh, that that just sucks to see for for him, and especially how they have kind of played here lately. You know, there were big receivers go out, 
They don't know if they're going to trade people, whatever. And so just tough to see. Then I have, are the Vikings good with a question mark? I mean, they've, they've won four games without uh, Mr. Jefferson, Justin Jefferson, Jetta. Um, Was Jetta the problem? Yeah. And if you look <laughs> at it, all the, all the Vikings losses are to okay to decent teams. I mean, we talked about the Bucks having a decent defense. They lost to them. They lost to the Eagles. They lost to the Chargers, who those are one of my I don't know teams. Right. And then they lost to the Chiefs. All seven of points or less. And so, like, none of their losses have been terrible. And they've been in games. And so, I don't know. They could be pretty scrappy going forward. Uh, well, they could have been. Uh, I don't Yeah, really think I'm Josh, not sure. I don't think Josh Dobbs is the answer. But, I mean, if you look at some of their weapons, I mean, Hawkinson, Osborne, Addison, uh, Madison's been okay. Like they got they got some dudes that can make some plays and having a quarterback that maybe could run around a little bit. Uh, you know, they could be kind of sneaky, but uh that's just kind of my takeaway from that game. Um they were really fortunate just to get a win with that. I guess that's the the silver lining in that game after losing a quarterback. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's like Joshua Dobbs went from scrappy team to scrappy team uh, in a matter of less than 12 hours. Oh, yeah. Um, but you can't you can't imagine he's not feeling good. Like, oh, thank God I'm off the Cardinals. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, just, thank God. Uh, well, yeah. hopefully that means K1 plays this upcoming game. Dude, I saw a report that said that uh, they were going to go with Clayton Tooney or Toon, the quarterback from U of H. And so My I'm God. like – I don't, and they did trade Kyler, so it's like, what's, what's going, on? going on? <laughs> like, <laughs> I like, need to know. <laughs> like, you look into that like uh, collusion about like tanking. Like, I mean, if if the quarterback's ready to go and you're still not playing him, it's like, man, that's kind of it's a little iffy. Uh, yeah. So, but yeah. I don't know. So, but uh, I don't know why. But whenever I don't know if you saw this, but K one. Came back to the field for practice, and the lady goes, "I can't." Like she's like, "Thank God oh, you're yes. back." And yes. he's like, "Glad to be back." <laughs> yeah. I'm like is. when you're talking like that, he's starting at some point. Yeah, so, but yeah. it also her voice sounded think. like it was like she was trying to get chose, and yeah. it was like, "Why? Why do you say it? it's like? Why did you say it like that? Like, hey, you, you know, hey." Glad you're back. It's like, hey, glad you're back. It's like, well, I'll whoa. do the, uh, I'll do the Chiefs Broncos, and I'll let you uh, do the 49ers Bengals. Uh, Three twenty-five game. This is Denver winning against Kansas City, holding Kansas City to only nine points. Uh, two things I hate in this world: Taylor Swift and Russell Wilson content. But you can't win them all. So we got Russell Wilson content this weekend. Mister Unlimited was unlimited. Uh, and the Denver Broncos stadium was unlimited with some Taylor Swift music post game, which was a massively great troll. Um, so Russ, Russ knocks down the deep state in Denver. Um, yeah, so chiefs are a great team, but you know, they also look human. This is their first divisional loss to the, uh, the Denver Broncos since 2015 and breaking an eight, eight year stretch of losing to, uh, the chiefs, Alex Smith and Patrick Mahomes. I believe Patrick Mahomes played sick. Um, but Kelsey continues to underproduce when Taylor Swift is absent. I think he's averaging like 50 yards per game when she's not there and over like 100 and 108 when games that she does attend. And bad news for, uh, for Travis Kelsey, um, that witch is going on tour 
So I, I don't think you'll see a uh, a Travis a good Travis Kelsey in a while. So if you have him on your fantasy team, uh, trade high while you can. Um, but yeah, I mean Denver's shocking. <laughs> Denver's shocking all over there in the in the satanic air, near the satanic airport there in Denver. Um, but uh, this isn't this is shocking to me. But it's also just like. The, the Chiefs have continued to show like weird signs like this. I mean, they showed it week one against Detroit. I understand they didn't have Chris Jones and, and Travis Kelsey. I really thought this would be a team that would be a buyer at the deadline and get some guy like DeAndre Hopkins or, uh, you know, a mid-level receiver that could at least be comprehensible for Patrick Mahomes in this passing game because, you know, your number one is Rashi Rice. And then you've got – uh what's his name the dude from clemson ross i think he was he just got on the commissioner's exempt list uh Kadarius tony gets 20 percent snap percentage Valdez scantling isn't involved juju's doing tiktoks in new england like <laughs> your running backs is pacheco uh and mckinnon who's 33 years old like you're asking mahomes to do a lot but like i said this is the deep state team so you, you never know when Vegas is going to make the call and you never know what kind of spell Taylor Swift put on your fucking football team. So, uh, but yeah, uh, Denver takes down the chiefs in uh, in Colorado. So yeah. Yeah. Uh, with, with that one, I think it's a, the same problems that uh, Lamar Jackson had a couple games ago that I talked about. It'd just be nice if receivers would catch the ball or if receivers were, Worth a damn, really. I mean, I'm with you. I just can't imagine how you don't go out and get like somebody. Like, yeah. I mean, uh, one one person I think would be great there. That was a former cowboy that has just kind kind of been put put under everybody is Cedric Wilson uh, over there at Miami. Like, I mean, I think he signed signed like a two year, twenty one million dollar deal or something a couple years ago with the Dolphins and he doesn't play. And I feel like that would have been like an easy person to get and would immediately be a, a, well, not on that roster, a one. (laughs) And so arguably, yeah. And so I think it's just crazy. Um, But yeah, uh, leading us into the other 325 game, the 49ers and the Bengals. Uh, We had the Cincinnati Bengals win 31 to 17. Uh, It was a close game at halftime. Joe Burrow seems like he's doing what Joe Burrow has done for the past couple of years is suck for about the first four games and then figure out how to play football again. And uh, I know this time he had more of an injury and it wasn't, you know, he just didn't play in the preseason. Um, but it really is kind of just funny how, you know, you start the season off and it's like, hey, we're just going to take a break for the first four week, four weeks and then, you know, then win the next four. Um, but, you know, the big thing here, Joe Burrow looked great. Jamar Chase, 7-Eleven, always open. Same thing. I think he had 10 catches for a hundo. Yep. Uh, I think since that's came out, he's gotta be leading the leading the NFL in targets. Gotta be close, uh, yeah. Because uh, I mean, I think he had 10 catches and the next closest was five. Um, and so who knows how many how many other targets they had. But uh, you know, the game was close at half, and like we talked about right before we started the pod, is that the game was really close, and then they went into the second half and uh you know, Brock Purdy kind of struggled. You know, he turned the ball over a couple times via the interception. Uh, and then towards the end of the game, when it seemed like they were making a little bit of a comeback, you know, he fumbled it. Uh, and so it's just kind of, sh- you know, going to going to show towards some of the 49ers, 49ers struggles, like how, 
well as he is a quarterback without all those weapons and how well of a team are they without, you know, having every weapon top notch at, at every position they have. Um, now, you know, I did see, I don't know why they went and signed another, uh, signed another D end with, yeah. I mean, they've got, they've got Chase Young, Bosa, uh, Randy Gregory, uh, hell, they probably called DeMarcus Ware and and everybody else <laughs> up to get up there. But it's like, hey, you could probably go get another like receiver. Yeah, um, they called and, David Irving and they were like, hey, where you at, bro? Like, you still yeah. on that dough? So, yeah, somehow they end up with, you know, T.J. Watt, J.J. Watt, and all of a sudden they've got 17 defensive defensive ends rushing the quarterback. But, uh, you know, it's it's just interesting to see how this team's lost. You know, they the funny thing is they they beat Dallas, stomped us, and then – proceed to lose three in a row and it was just like i mean as a cowboys fan i'm sitting here like dude what the hell like yeah. what are we doing like, like i know debo's like a big factor but like i didn't think he's, he's not like that much of a difference maker and then you know obviously they lost the left tackle a little bit and whatnot but it, it, it is just a very interesting thing but also shows that like hey this is the nfl like you know you you get lackadaisical or you don't play as well as you could, like you could lose and you could lose to anybody. So um, that's just kind of the the take I have on there is, you know, Joe Burrow played really good. Bengals looked really good and, and seemed to be rounding into shape. And then the 49ers, I mean, last three games, they've looked rough. Like they yeah. haven't, haven't really looked good. Um, and so, you know, that's just what happens. What can happen in the NFL if you don't play good, you get beat. So that's right. Uh, yeah, I can't argue yeah. with that. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, well, let's recap quickly the uh, Sunday night football game. I understand that this was a crap game that really nobody was interested in. Um, but a little updated record. Um, the Rook and the Kid are both at six and two. Um, we're not doing an amazing job of, of getting our predictions out to you guys, but the, the texts are there uh, behind the scenes on iMessage. Who you got winning tonight? Uh, uh, Chargers. All right. But they've been pretty easy to tell so far. I mean, besides Miami and uh, and uh, Philadelphia and the Cowboys and 49ers, you know, looking at it before the game started, it was it wasn't that difficult to really pick a winner in a lot of these. <laughs> I think the the biggest risk I took was taking the Raiders uh, versus the uh, the Steelers, which was an absolute crap hole. Um, but yeah, um, so from previous track, you know, the Rook and the Analysts, we both picked the Chargers to win, um, and Chargers win 30 to 13, uh, 30 to 13 <laughs> versus the Bears and Tyler Bajant. Uh, they did their job versus a Division II quarterback. Uh, it's the first Division II quarterback to start in a game since 1950. So shout out to him. That's a hell of an accomplishment. Uh, I'm not kidding about that. That's, you know, it's very difficult to be in a division like that, um, even though it is still relevant college football and be able to start an NFL game, um, especially when your dad's a 28 time arm wrestling champion. <laughs> uh, but Chargers continue to lose wide receivers with injuries. I'm not sure what the diagnosis is on Joshua Palmer. I'm sure we'll get into that possibly in the two-minute drill. Um, and then, you know, they just kind of remain an average team to me. It's a, I don't really know what to think of them. Kellen Moore is hit or miss a lot like he was with the Cowboys. But uh, I really thought Herbert would impress me more this season. Um, it is a long season. You know, legends are made in November. And December, so uh, we'll see what happens with the Chargers. But this was expected. I mean, this was a very easy win for the Chargers. Um, not really much to say about it. But if you have any recap 
on the Sunday night football game, or if you got, if I don't even know if you even watched it, I wouldn't even blame you, but. Yes, I, I watched it. I really have nothing to add to the game uh, because it was that much of kind of like a, you know, snooze fest. Um, I do have one question for you. Yeah. So you're the Chicago Bears, right? You yeah. have two number two first round picks, correct? Possibly number one and two, I believe. Yeah, I think right now it's like two and three. Yeah. What are you doing if you're if you're couch GM? What are, what are you doing? Because it looks like Justin Fields is still going to be out for a little bit. Uh, I know people don't fully understand what a dislocated thumb on a throwing hand means, but that's not like a jammed finger, like the whole thumb came out of place, and that that's not supposed to happen. So he's going to be out for a little bit. And, you know, I just want to get your thoughts on what, what you would do as a GM if you – Say you got the one and the two pick, not even the two and the three. The one and the two. What are, what are we doing? Are we talking like right now or when the draft comes around? Uh, let's I guess say, the trade deadline's done. So yeah, I mean, let's. Well, yeah. So the trade deadline's done. So you can't trade them away right now. Here's what I would do if I was the Chicago Bears, um, and this is as a as a person that isn't the most confident uh, analyst, if you will, in the world of Justin Fields. As a football player, I still think he struggles reading defenses. As a GM, you're you're kind of living in denial here. You got to be careful of that. Justin Fields doesn't know anything to Chicago. And, I mean, in, in retrospect, he doesn't. And you've kind of wasted his first three years with crap teams. I would dish him off to a team uh, in the offseason and to a – reputable franchise and see if you can get the wheels moving. Um, and then I would take your chances, you know, maybe you'll probably gas up another first and second round pick. Um, but you also brought DJ Moore over to join Justin Field. So you're in a predicament. Um, so what I believe will happen is that they'll keep Justin Fields and they'll probably go, they'll maybe even trade back in the draft, but I think they go after at least Marvin Harrison Jr. That's for sure what I would do in this draft. If when you're at pick two and three, Brock Bowers is a projection as well. And those mid round, first round picks, the tight end from Georgia, um, baby Kittle, as they call him, um, and not the little fart that's clout chasing on social media. But yeah, so if, if it were me, I'm dishing off Justin Fields and I'm going after a guy like Drake May and Marvin Harrison, and I'm pairing your one and two, and you got one, two, and your little Amari Cooper rental. Uh, and they're in DJ Moore and start scrapping up some wins. Uh, and by trading Justin Fields, you can scrap up another one and first and two round picks, maybe a third, depending on what the value is for him, and stack up on offensive line depth. Uh, but yeah, that would be my strategy. I mean, you already traded for Montez Sweat to patch up your defensive line. Uh, you know, your defense isn't bad. Jalen Jones or Jalen Johnson wasn't dealt at the uh, the deadline, which is good for your young team. Um, so yeah, that's, that's what I would do if I was the Bears GM. Yeah. Nice. I was just wondering what you were thinking. Uh, that Montez sweat, sweat trade made about zero sense to me. <laughs> to the Bears, man. No I, saw that and I was like, I was like, Oh, we got traded. And then it was like to the bears. And I was like, why? They're making like, a playoff run. Yeah. yeah. Like, what are you doing? Like, yeah. Uh, I that, mean, they're borderline tanking Yeah, for a second too. Like, yeah. it's like, it'd be one thing if it was like a fourth, maybe. But right, like a second, like that's for them. That's a pretty high. That's what if they, that's thirty fifth, 
I believe like, Montez Sweat is a contracted player. So you're spending oh. a well, so that's what I'm saying. So you're spending yeah. a second round pick on a contracted player who's C plus to B minus in productivity. So yeah, and he's I mean, gonna be the only one on that D line. So like he's leaving Jonathan Allen or whoever and and uh, Chase Young and some of the really good front four or five, and he's yeah. gonna be have to be the dude for the for the Bears. So yeah, that makes a lot of sense, man. Yeah, yeah. that even makes it look worse now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, I, I don't I don't like it one bit. Uh, yeah. So all right, let's get into our predictions for the upcoming week. We're gonna start with our Sunday night football predictions. Our Score predictions and why we got the five and three Buffalo Bills versus the four and three Bengals. This is a big one. Uh, I'm pause. This is one I've been really looking forward to on the schedule. Now that uh, Burrow and Cincinnati, you're kind of back to their magic, and you know you know you're not knowing what you're going to get with the Buffalo Bills. You know you don't know who's moving the wagons uh, each game. If it's not Josh Allen, it's usually nobody. Uh, so they go as Josh Allen goes, but I, my prediction is I got the Bengals winning this game 23 to 21. I don't think the bills have completely figured out their offensive woes. Their identity is constantly, uh, transitioning. Uh, I would call them the transgender NFL team. Um, the, the Cincinnati (laughs) Bengals are starting to figure things out. Their wide receivers are healthy. Joe Mixon's been productive on the ground. Now, Leonard Fournette was signed. I'm not sure how much we're going to see him in this game, but he's a fat ass. So I'm going <laughs> to say, is he a fullback? Yeah, or yeah he's going to be. He's, yeah, uh, we signed you to be an H-back, Leonard. Uh, yeah. But, yeah, Burrow and the Bengals are starting to cook. Healthy wide receivers, like I mentioned. Um, yeah, uh, the Bengals defeated the Bills in 2022 playoffs, which I think is noteworthy. So this could be a personal game uh, for the Bills, and that was a snow game. Uh and I expect Burrow to play well against good teams like I predicted that he would against the 49ers. And back-to-back wins against playoff teams would be a mighty performance for a quarterback who is considered, you know, top five, top three in this league. Um, so, yeah, I got the Bengals winning 23-21. to 21 And DeMar Hamlin, I pray that you are active in this game for – and you stay on the sidelines because this is this is we don't need anything we don't need any funny business in this game. So yeah, uh, if you if you catch my drift, so this is the last time they played, you know, <laughs> disaster struck. But uh, yeah, so what are your predictions on this game? Uh, yeah, I'm with I'm with you. I think the Bengals. I think the Bengals win this. Uh, you know, you know, a lot of things you said we've talked about is, you know, the Bills. It seems they seem so hot or cold, so roller coastery. Um, you know, one game, you know, Josh Allen is throwing for 350 yards and four TDs, and then one game he's throwing for, you know, 240 with two TDs and three picks and a fumble. And it's like, it just seems like they they almost can't get out of their own way sometimes. Um, I think it's really kind of disservice to James Cook, who I think averages like 12 carries a game. I think that's a, I don't know, I feel like that would help. Josh Allen a little bit more because it would let him use his big ability with, you know, his arm and being able to get out of the pocket and, and do some play action stuff, man. Um, But, you know, I'm kind of with you. I think, I think the Bengals actually win this by a little more. I'm going to go with 28, 21 Bengals. I think they win it by more than two. Um, I think they're just going to be able to play, play uh, just better than the bills this game. They seem to be rolling (laughs) right now. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I agree. Hopefully we're both right. (laughs) 
Um, we've done pretty well in the past, honestly. Um, yeah. But yeah, so you got the game in Germany. Uh, Miami Dolphins at Kansas City Chiefs. We got the spread at minus two and a half. Uh, what are your predictions on the game in Nazi Germany? <laughs> yeah, so I got the uh, the Wiener Schnitzel ga- uh, game. Um, Schnitzel. I, I, for some reason, you know, you say follow the money with Vegas. I feel like you need to, you know, just just ball that spread up and throw <laughs> it out the window because I don't think this game's gonna be close, man. Um, I really oh, don't. Uh, I think I have the uh, I have the Dolphins winning thirty five twenty. Um, and there's a few, there's a few reasons why that I'll get to later on in the podcast. But um, I think that defense for the Chiefs is banged up a little bit. Uh, some some guys that are that are big time contributors for the Chiefs defense uh, are a little banged up. Uh, I also read a report to where the Chiefs are leaving on Thursday. So right, they're gonna, only getting one day of practice, right? Yeah, and I mean we've talked about this before. It just it doesn't make sense unless you know you just ain't got no money. Then I guess you know you know say that go hop on a Spirit airline and go over there or whatnot. And so yeah, yeah. Uh, I think that's really gonna hurt them doing that. And and so uh, and and by the way we just saw the, the Chiefs receivers play. I mean they're about to play a better team in the Dolphins with a with a better defense and you know they're. Maybe they'll find some better gloves over in Germany, but I don't know. They're just not – the receivers are just so bad and, and whatnot. I just don't think they overcome it. And I think, you know, with Steve Spagnuolo over there at, at, with Kansas City, they like the blitz a lot. However, with the with Miami defense, I mean, you when you blitz a lot, you've either got to run man up front or you've got people dropping – very few people dropping back in the zone. And that's just going to be real hard with Tyreek Hill, Jalen Waddle, and then Ryan Mostert. And whoever, uh, uh, what's his name, Chase Claypool, playing tight end out there, like, <laughs> like you're, yeah. It, I think it's just gonna be really hard for them to defend that, and I, I don't think this game's gonna be close. I think it's gonna be kind of a blowout, um, and that's just that's just kind of what I have going. I don't know. It's a, it's a weird feeling, but right, I well, just don't see the Chiefs playing this game very well. Did the same thing happen to the Bills when they got one day of rest? Did they lose their game in London? I can't remember. Uh yeah, they played the Jaguars, wasn't it? They played yeah, the Jaguars. Oh, the Jaguars got, won. Yeah. And they got blown out. And so So you're on to something there. I mean, it, it is like maybe, you know, <laughs> it, you know, hey, the science, you know, the science plays. Or what Well, hold on, say? let me pull up the, the stocks. Players. Uh, if we pull up the stocks, we might be able to follow the money. No. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, let me log I into just... my Hustlers University real quick. <laughs> exactly. So I have I have 8:30 a.m. Miami Dolphins 35, Chiefs 20 for the uh, the Sunday morning Wiener Schnitzel game. So uh, I'll throw it back over to you for the 12 o'clock game. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Seattle Seahawks at Baltimore Ravens. The spread is minus five and a half. Um, so I think Lamar uses his legs to scramble uh, the Seattle defense, who just got Leonard Williams. Uh, uh, I think limiting the turnovers is key to this game for Lamar because he's been very good at limiting them so far in the first eight weeks. He's playing like an MVP this year. Uh, as long as their wide receivers catch the ball. Uh, we got a dilemma over there in Baltimore. Uh, shit in my mouth. O- Odo Beckham Jr. Um, you know, is playing like he eats. You know, you know the, the, the saying, you are what you eat. Well, if you eat shit, then you are shit. So, Odo Beckham Jr., you know, struggling with those injuries, frustrated with not getting a reception. I, I think it was because of the defensive PI uh, pass interference. 
that was not called or that was called on him when he was trying to get his touches and he's throwing his helmet on the ground. Uh, uh, just very, uh, I would say Des Bryant like, but Des Bryant was very, I wouldn't say there's a difference between that moment with Odell and, you know, Des Bryant being passionate, but they're both very passionate players and they want the ball in their hands. What Odell Beckham just has to understand is that he's 31 years old and his time has passed. So him getting his 10 targets is not relevant anymore, but um, I think Gino can only take you so far uh, for the, if you're the Seattle Seahawks and I love him. He hasn't, he hasn't wrote back yet. Pause on the love part. Um, I expect a large workload in this game for, for K nine pause on that as well. But uh, with the Leonard Williams trade, I really, like I said, I, I, you know, Gino Smith can only take you so far. I don't see Gino Smith winning a Super Bowl, let alone getting past juggernauts like the 49ers and Eagles. And, you know, just depending on who decides to show up, the Cowboys, uh, you know, so I've got the Ravens 30. It's a high scoring game. Ravens 34 to 28, um, getting the dub over there, covering the spread. Uh, wow. Yeah. So I've Ravens are impressive. Um, they didn't trade for any running backs, but they got a system down and doesn't matter. It's the next man up mentality over there. Yeah. They've, they've looked good. Even in the, this past game, I believe this week, they didn't, they don't look great. Still, they still won. Uh, and it seems like even when they play bad, they still figure out a way to win. So good yeah. teams over there. Uh, All right. Yeah. The thing with the thing with, uh, Odell, it's like, like you're saying between Dez and Odell is like, Dez was doing that and was still good. Uh, yeah, exactly. Odell's, getting, yeah. Odell's getting paid like what nineteen mil a year, and I, I don't think he has. A, we have the same amount of touchdowns as him. So, uh, <laughs> so yeah, it's like yeah, I'd be throwing my helmet and probably catching touchdowns off him. So I think it'd be uh, safe to say that Odo Beckham Jr.'s incentives are not going to come into his paycheck this year. Yeah, I'd have to, I'd have to, you know, double that down, put money on that, huh? Yeah. So awesome. Well, we'll lead us into are, are we wanting to go into Cowboys Eagles yet? No, we so we're gonna go to the Monday night football. Okay, cool. So I'll I'll go into the Monday night football. Fucking Chargers versus the goddamn Jets. Uh <laughs> yeah. we uh we have the uh Chargers as a two point favorite. Okay. Uh I don't think that's gonna happen. I think the I have the Jets winning 21-17. Um and I think no, I, I think Zach Wilson is a better quarterback than what sometimes the offensive game plan shows. Uh, I think that he's better when he's kind of having to play a little bit of backyard football and run around and sling it, throw it downfield, throw it across his body. I know it's kind of unorthodox, but it just seems like when he can create stuff, that's when he's better. Um, so I think they really need to let it sling against his defense. Defense this season hasn't been very well, um, and so I think that that'd be a good way to to get them going, get him going, have him play better. Um, I don't. Uh, Jets are kind of the same as uh, the Vikings to me right now. It's like, yeah. are they are they good? I don't are know. They bad? I don't know. But if you look at their losses this year, they've lost to the Cowboys and the Chiefs and the Pats. Okay, obviously. Patriots, that's kind of a bad loss, but like it was raining that game. Yeah, and historically, Zach Wilson sucks in the rain. Zach Zach Wilson can't handle wet balls. (laughs) Uh, So yeah, well, you can handle uh, wet. No, uh. oh, (laughs) 
whoa. Uh, but, but yeah, so their other two losses were against very good teams. Um, and so, you know, I just don't know if they're good or not. Um, and with, with Herbert, I think he's very good. I think his defense is very bad. However, Herbert has missed a lot of easy throws this year. Um, and he's True. got, he's got a lot of dudes around him that, that can play. Um, however, it seems like his, his wide receivers have the injury bug right now. And Quentin Johnson can't seem to separate from anything. Um, but that was kind of the thing with him in college is he was a big receiver that could go get the ball. And if you're going to ask him to be Keenan Allen, that's not going to be, it's not going to be it. So yeah. it'll be interesting how they, how they use, uh, how they use him this game. Uh, and then the same thing for the Chargers. Are they bad or are they good? I don't know. Like, great, these, great questions. These, you know, it, to me, Herbert kind of reminds me a little bit of, of Josh Allen as well. Like, you know, like last guy, last game, he didn't really like light it up, like throwing it down the field, but it was a lot of completions to get people in space and, and where they could make a play. And, you know, he then he goes – whatever it was, like 31 for 38 for 300 yards and three touchdowns. Right. Or On then, prime time. Yeah. Or then he has a game like the Cowboys where it's like, dude, like you are just missing guys. It's not even yeah. like you're not pressured. You're not doing anything crazy. It's just like there are two or three throws. Like you, you just missed looking like Jimmy G out there. And so, uh, and so it, it's just interesting. I don't, I don't know if these two teams are good or if they're bad. This um, is a dangerous game to predict. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I would. This is probably one I would definitely not if if I was a betting man. Not touching. Yeah. I'm not touching this game at all. So, however, if you want to listen to me, I got the I got the Jets 21, and I got the Chargers 17. And I don't dislike that one bit. I think that's mm-hmm. fine. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, Zach Wilson. He historically this year played his best game against the Chiefs, who are in that same division earlier this year so we'll see the chargers defense can get lit up we saw with dak prescott um obviously zach wilson's not as good as dak prescott but yeah that's a that's a that's a trap game for, yeah. for you betters out there for you boys in vegas who thinks you know you can make the call but you can't yeah i'm i'm not a fan of betting on that game whatsoever man <laughs> oh yeah dude 100 uh all right tracking the boys you know, we got the Cowboys versus the Rams um, in week eight. Cowboys win 43 to 20. Um, and this game was played in AT&T. I feel like we haven't been in AT&T in a while. Uh, of course, we are now moving to five and two, heading into the Eagles in week nine, who are six and one with the best record in football. But before we get into predictions for that game, we'll recap what we saw and just to kind of give y'all a couple highlights from this game and something to go off of when we analyze the offense and defense here. Uh, we had that uh, Deron Bland interception for a touchdown, the pick six, that's nine interceptions in 24 games. Uh, Diggs had 12 in his first 24 uh, Bland. Deron Bland currently has more touchdowns than Devonta Smith, T Higgins, Tyler Lockett, Jalen Waddle and Calvin Ridley. Um, and if you're not a football fan and you're just listening because you think I'm hot, um, you know, Deron Bland is a cornerback and the other guys are receivers. So, uh, yeah, but Lamb sets career high for receptions and scores two, you know, 12 receptions, 158, two tutties. Um, Cooks get involved in the deep game with a 25 yard touchdown catch. 
And those were kind of the major highlights in this game. We had a typical Dak pick as well. With uh, probably it was double tips, tip to the line, and tipped in McKeon's hand. Why we thrown at McKeon in the red zone, I don't know. Uh, but yeah, let's recap our defense first. Um, I'll let I'll let you have the first go at it. Uh, what you saw from this defense or from this offense? Any positive signs in the play calling? You know, how did you think the receivers performed? Just kind of your whole spiel on the on the offense and this week eight performance. Okay, for the offense, I thought it looked great. I thought. It, it looked like Mike McCarthy and and Schottenheimer and Dak had two weeks to prepare, uh, and it, yeah. looked, it looks like they it really looked like they went to Twitter and were just like, yeah, maybe we could try some of these things and, and do all this. But yeah, uh, I think I read a stat to where like in the first the games prior to this game there were uh, motion on eighteen plays throughout the first what six games, and in this game alone there were 18 plays with pre-snap motion. And they so it's like, us. yeah, it's like, man, it's crazy when you move receivers around, you can read the defenses and stuff like that. So I, I one that was an insane stat to me um, yeah. just because like, I feel like you see that in every game and then it's like Cowboys don't do it. Um, I thought, uh, you know, CD lamb was incredible. I thought, uh, you know, like you said, Brandon cooks getting involved. I mean, that wasn't anything but a little hitch, a little double hitch route up the up the sideline. It wasn't anything crazy, but guess what? It makes defenders think like, "Oh crap!" Now we got to put a safety kind of over there in case they burn us deep. And so uh, I think there was a video that that Rex Ryan put out on whatever uh, show they're on, uh, where he said, <laughs> and it's kind of something I can't remember what it's, it, it's not get up. It's, it's uh, some, it's, it's some type it's, of ESPN show. Yeah, It's, it's with Orlovsky or uh, Dan Orlovsky as well, but he mentioned, and I thought this was a super good point is that, uh, you know, when you get into receivers, you're talking about the eight X receiver, uh, Y receiver, H receiver, stuff like that. And how, and he puts it in, I guess, more brutal terms is how we've stopped putting Michael Gallup at the X receiver by himself and started putting CD or started putting Cooks over there by themselves because they can handle it. He goes on to say that Gallup is not a very good wide receiver or football player, and I'm like, oh, I don't want to go that far. Yeah, but you've, got, you've got two, two receivers that at this point in their careers can separate better than him. So why would you put him on an island by himself? And so I thought that was a really good point to look at and then we saw in this game, even though it didn't really show up on the stat sheet, but you know, Jalen Tolbert getting more getting more involved, getting more yeah. uh reps on offense and taking some of those away from Michael Gallup. Maybe hopefully it causes a competition to where we, you know, our other all those receivers can kind of, you know, build off each other and whatnot. But I thought I thought, you know, game plan was great. I thought they made, you know, excellent adjustments, you know. Uh, there was a stat that came out that, you know, they threw for four TDs. The Rams had only allowed four passing TDs all year. So I know the media is going to say the Rams are just doo-doo dog shit now. But yeah. you can't you can't look past that, that we literally, you know, throw the same amount of pass TDs on them in one game as that they've allowed all year. Um, and I thought it, I you know, we've talked about it with the kid um, about how – you know, offensive game planning in the past, it looked like, hey, it doesn't look like they trust Dak very much or, you know, playing like we don't want to throw picks. These last two games, it's like they've kind of moved off that point. I mean, you're th you're seeing like throws that are tight window throws, like yeah, throws you got to put on the money or it's a pick or an incompletion. Timing routes that, 
you know, you got to be spot on and within, you know, tenths of a second or it's not it's not right. Um, and then, you know, trusting Dak with his feet to get out of the pocket, to move around and stuff yes. like that. And yeah. so uh, and this is this is kind of a, a take I've taken from like working in sports uh, for a little bit now is like sometimes, you know, you game plan, you scout, you do all this. And obviously that's a good thing. But basically developing your game plan around like what your guys do best and combat it with what you're game planning from them instead of just game planning for their weakness. Okay. Yeah. What I mean by that, and I'm sure you can understand, but like Dak's good moving around the pocket, throwing it down the seam to a tight end, having CD lamb move around and, and creating plays rather than, you know, just, you know, super conservative play calling. And I think it's something they're, they've, they're going to, and they've got to, to be successful is start playing more to Dak Prescott's strengths yes. rather than playing towards their defenses, the, the opposing defense's weaknesses. And so uh, I think that's going to be, I think that's going to be something to look for moving forward. But overall, no, I talked a lot, um, but it's just nice to talk good about this <laughs> offense. Yeah. But I thought, I thought everything looked super in sync and I, I really, outside of maybe the running game, but they didn't really need it that much. And that's a good thing. Um, Outside of that, I thought the offense looked great, and it just looked like they finally sat down and just like, hey, we're going to do different things and see how it works out, and it worked out right. really well. Um, I know I talked a lot, but but what are your thoughts on the offense? <laughs> what, what you got, man? No, so I think you hit it right on the nail, and it's something that I did not even think of, and I want to reiterate that point is when you said that the Cowboys' offense should play to their offensive players' strengths, not – the opposing team's weaknesses. That is an incredible point um, because what do we pray so much with all these other teams like Burrow, like especially Jalen Hurts, who I think disguises the real kind of player that he is, not saying that he's bad, but just saying that he might not be as good as where he's at. Purdy, you know, attacking his strengths in the offense, um, getting those quick throws out. And now we've seen it's discoverable when you remove certain players from the equation in their scheme. But for Dak, just if you think on our last couple of games to start this year, we don't know. We're an interchangeable transitioning identity to where every game we're adapting to what the defense, yes, is giving us, which can be a good thing. But we're also not playing to our strengths, which the Cowboys attacked in the last two games. That being hey, we have an elite number one wide receiver and number 88, C.D. Lamb. Whenever Dak targets C.D. Lamb, his passer rating and efficiency is out the roof, and, and so is C.D. Lamb's. And we saw it on that first catch with Lamb, catching it over the middle five yards down the field, breaking it off on second and 17 for an eight, 18-yard game. And you're like, all right, we'll do that the whole game. Um, <laughs> C.D. Lamb needs 10-plus targets every single week. I don't care what team you're playing. I don't care if they have the best secondary in the league. I don't care if it is the 49ers. There is not one receiver that is better on the Cowboys roster than C.D. Lamb. There are not many receivers in the NFL that are better than C.D. Lamb. Give him his flowers. Give him his touches. And as far as Dak goes, Dak is the most – you got to know your quarterback if you're a GM, if you're an offensive play caller. you got to know that Dak is one of the most confident – uh, throwers of the football in the NFL and that he's a very aggressive thrower and he has a history of pushing the ball downfield 
and efficiently. Um, so you got to be able to trust Dak. And I, so far this season, outside of one game, you certainly can. Certainly. And that interception, I wish they would change that stat because, yes, it is on him, you know, throwing it at the line of scrimmage, but it's tipped twice. And, you know, those you don't want to see on a, on a quarterback's record, I do like that idea. But fantastic point there. Um, and to kind of keep going with the offense, I want to bring this up because I said this uh, probably around the preseason or week one. Uh, and I said, we're going to see Luke Schoonmaker, our second round tight end, catch a bootleg pass for 10 or more <laughs> yards on second and 10 in a meaningless game and go, attaboy, Schultz. Or at a boy schoonmaker. No, you had, we it right. got it. you had it right. <laughs> yeah, we had it right. We got the same guy, but yeah, uh, we got it. We finally got a schoonmaker bootleg pass in the flat for 10 yards. And I went, I didn't even say at a boy schoonmaker. I just went, Oh my god, it happened. And I texted yeah. you guys in the chat. Um, so I thought that was hilarious, but <laughs> yeah. fantastic job by the Cowboys. Continue to get CD Lamb involved. That throw by Dak Prescott in the end zone to start to get start the scoring um, blunder was incredible. That was a, a an absolute Dak dime, uh, yeah. but an even better catch by Jake Ferguson. It was a one-handed grab right on the nose of the football. Um, and the selly on that. Oh my God. Yeah. was hilarious, bro. Yeah. Like I put it on my Twitter. I was like, I got to shout out the dog. He took some dance lessons online at Wisconsin, <laughs> which is a little bit sus. Reminds me of Terry Hoyt's making fun of those freak bags, you know. Uh, you know, you ever seen the other guys? Yeah, <laughs> we used to make fun of those guys or whatever. But um, you took, yeah, you took dancing lessons just to. <laughs> yeah. you, you learned to dance sarcastically. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I mean, fantastic performance by the offense. Going into the game on uh, versus Philadelphia, and I'll touch on it more in depth, do more of that. Uh, yeah. But to transition us into the defense, um, of course, I got another one correct uh, uh, that I've spoke about in the past and is or that we spoke about in the last podcast with the analysts. If you get pressure to Matthew Stafford, he makes mistakes. And then special teams would make big plays this week because we had the punt block last year. And we had the punt, the the block punt this year or this week as well. So double check marks on that. But I'll let you kind of take away the defense, and now I'll, I'll I'll close this out on the defense, and we'll move into the deck on track. All right, I'll I'll keep it a little shorter on defense. That way you can talk a little bit. Um, but I thought the defense looked great. I think that the the defense obviously does well when they're in attack mode, and it seems like. I think that was that's why it's so great when we get up early. It's because the defense, it almost looks like they like take a deep breath in, they're like, oh, relax, and then just go get them. Right. Um, I thought Michael Parsons looked insane. Um, Deron Bland uh making another interception for a for a pick six, like you touched on a little earlier. Um, I thought I thought they just did a really good job of like when mistakes were made, they capitalized on them. You know, Matt Stafford. You know, was a little off on the timing due to the pressure. Throws a little behind Cooper Cup. Deron Bland catches it and and takes it instead of you know sometimes those DBs can miss it and stuff like that. Uh, I think it's really well that they that they capitalize on those mistakes. Um, shout out to the analyst uh, for talking about uh, Marquise Bell. Um, yes. I think PFF or, or whatever grading system came out and said since he started at linebacker. Uh, a few games ago, it said is he he's the 
highest rated linebacker in the NFL, yep. uh, which is nuts. So, I mean, he, you want to talk about hitting the nail on the head with that guy. Shout out to the analysts. He really did that. And he just, he just keeps playing well. Um, and then, you know, really touching on Deron Bland again, man. I mean, how he's kind of evolved from like last year, you know, he was more of a slot guy, you know, right. And, and everything like that. And just seeing him develop, you know, he got, he got put into the, I think, I think the analyst actually spoke on this again is that, you know, his first game after Diggs got hurt, he wasn't, he wasn't the best. Right. And yeah. he spoke on actually getting a week of practice playing the number one corner. And since then, he's been outside of the 49er game, which nobody on the Cowboys team Blame looked well great. <laughs> you know, outside of one game, he's looked phenomenal. And, you know, I think that that right there kind of takes a little pressure off. You know, it, it's almost like we really don't have much of a drop off from Trayvon Diggs, which is which is insane. Um, because now it, it allows Stephon Gilmore to be that kind of two DB or cornerback. And he's got to be one of the better number two cornerbacks in the league still. And, and so it was just, it's just cool to kind of see how he's transitioned from literally last year being what the fourth cornerback on the team. And then yeah. now he's arguably one of the better cornerbacks in the league right now. Uh, and, and having to guard people, you know, like, I mean, if you look at the receivers they faced in the last few games, right. I mean, the white you boy, say, <laughs> you could say Puka Nakua, Cooper cup, uh, Prior to that, I mean, we've had to face Debo. We've had to face Ayuk. I mean, Kittle, for example. I mean, he's not a receiver, but uh, I'm trying to think of the the other teams we play. I mean, Garrett Wilson. He's right. the number one. Uh, can't talk about the Giants. They they don't have any receivers. Um, but careful, you know, just double yeah, standards. Yeah, double standards. But just going and seeing how he transitioned, how he's really developed into a top notch corner is is pretty cool. Seeing insane. Uh, and whatnot, and then I think I saw. I mean, shout out to Mozzie Smith. It looked like he's he's progressed. Uh, I know he's still when it's he's gotten to where like technique is getting better. It's just gonna have to be him. Like he's gonna draw two people. Like it just yeah. is what it is. And I think once Fantastic. he figures, it, yeah, once he figures out uh, scheme and uh, I guess just playing knowledge and, and game plan of how to like hey just you're gonna you're gonna absorb two people that is what it is but if you can hold your ground and somehow not get driven back or anything like dude's gonna be a playmaker for plays that don't show up in the play in the in the box um and so it really is just it, it was good to just see them kind of in attack mode i mean we got up early and it was like you know it was like hey we're gonna let the leashes loose and y'all go play football and it was like that seems like when the defense is really good um, but that's kind of that was kind of my take on it. I thought, you know, Deron Bell, uh, Deron Bland, and Marquise Bell were just they were they were insane this weekend. Yeah, and I, you make a good point on uh, Deron Bland, and you know he has three pick sixes this year. I think the franchise record is four. Um, so fantastic job by Bland, you know, getting that extra week of practice, getting in there, and really adjusting. And not only does it lift the weight off of you know, a guy like Trayvon Diggs, who was probably heartbroken, was definitely heartbroken after he tore his ACL. He was having off to a great start in the season. But, you know, we we talked concerns about uh, Stephon Gilmore, you know, not being able to be that number one guy. We said that he wasn't, you know, capable really of being that number one, but he's a solid number two. And that we couldn't count on him to step up to be that number one guy to lock down guys like Cooper Cup, Nakua, 
um, you know, Garrett Wilson, um, you know, you name Keenan Allen and uh, all of them. And, and so now what you get is a Deron Bland who comes in there with his, with his midsection slinging and locking down most receivers that he's played against. I think his, uh, and I wanted to, I, you talked about it a second ago and I wanted to confirm it with you. Uh, they, the PFF rated him a, he was the fourth highest uh, graded players in week eight versus the Rams at 78.5. Marquise Bell was rated a 90.2 in this game and is officially PFF's number one graded linebacker after eight weeks with a 90.0 rating. Um, so yeah, uh, good on you for bringing that up as well. Um, Parsons had a fantastic game. Uh, I, I'm glad you spoke about Mozzie Smith, but you know, this scheme, man, I mean, for, for some reason, every time we play Matthew Stafford, that dude just gets absolutely, it's like, he's like, he's playing, uh, he's like, he's fighting in the octagon versus <laughs> like John Jones and he's Henry Cejudo. Uh, and like last year, just getting absolutely brutally beat up. We had the, the punt, I'm sorry, the fumble recovery touchdown last year with the block punt. This year we had the pick six with the block punt for a safety, you know, just absolutely explosive. We've kind of, we've got the Los Angeles Rams numbers, uh, number of the past two years. Um, so yeah, I mean, this defense man flying around, we got a good test, you know, coming up against the Eagles. Hopefully they're ready. Hopefully they're angry. Hopefully they're pissed because they, they, you know, they talk about it and let's, you know, uh, you know, they talked about how pissed they were about the 49ers game. And that was after the fact. Well, I'm hoping that going into Philly, they come with this attitude of with physicality. You know, they're, they're not going to have Leighton Vander Esch holding it down in the middle with kind of a bulkier body. Um, Marquis Bell is going to have to step up once again and get physical. Mozzie Smith's going to have to get a good pit push against argu arguably the number one offensive line. Uh, but yeah, let's get into our deck on track segment. And we'll start, of course, with our passing chart um, presented you pre presented to you by next gen stats who we are not affiliated with obviously, but uh, here we go. 25 of 31, 304 yards, four touchdowns and one interception with a video playing on the sidebar um, <laughs> with a plus 16.3% CPOE. Now, if the analyst was on this podcast, you could argue he'd be jizzing at the uh, at the glaze the camera. He'd be glazing. We'll, we'll cut that out. I'm just kidding. <laughs> well, he'd be glazing at the screen right now because look at those touchdown dots over the middle of the field. Four dots deep downfield towards the boundary and intermediate. And this is exactly what I said last week with the analyst on the podcast: is that if you really want Dak Prescott to thrive. You got to get him cooking in the intermediate, uh, deep to middle range, and then deep down the boundary, especially. Um, obviously, that far right one is uh, Brandon Cooks um, closer in. That was a CD Lamb scramble drill touchdown. Fantastic find there. One of the middle was Jake Ferguson. And of course, that last one, I don't even remember who. Oh, CD Lamb on oh, the CD little Lamb, uh, yeah, the skinny, yeah. skinny post route where he cooked him one on one. Yeah, uh, that was great a one missile. Ball. That was a missile by uh by Dak Dakota Rain Prescott. But I see a lot of green dots. I see a lot of blue dots. Um, and so for my grade for Dak Prescott, um, this is going to be his highest grade of the of the season, um, and rightfully so. An A plus. Uh, he was lethal in his aerial attack, threading needles, connecting deep, you know, feeding his playmakers. 
He was incredible pre-snap, which I think should not go unnoticed. His pre-snap was incredible. Um, yeah, he followed through post-snap as well. Highly mobile in the pocket and under pressure was brilliant on third down. So A plus for my boy as the Dak cycle. I give the, the Dak a A plus. Um, he played like Jesus this week. So <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, that passing chart uh, is definitely something you could glaze over. Uh, and so going into the the grades as well, I give him an A A plus uh, and and some of the same reasons as yours. Couple. I want to add in there is, you know, we we talked about when he played the 49ers, how it seemed like that was the one time we saw Dak like look like it was like, you know, it it just didn't look like there was much fight. Um, You know, after this game, looking at the score, you wouldn't think it. But in the first, what, five plays, Dak was sacked three times. Um, Right. So it was it was cool to see like the offense and Dak and all that just not get discouraged and, you know get back to like, oh, here we go again and stuff like that. And then go down and boop, 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 no fear, stepping up in the pocket, throwing that ball at Jake Ferguson. Uh, and that, and, you know, we've seen it throughout Dak's career. That's where he thrives is, you know, kind of being a, a risk taker, a little bit of a controlled gunslinger. And when he has those opportunities, you know, making those throws over the seam where when he throws it, we're all like <laughs> – Oh, okay. We're okay. It's like he, he, you can't see the other side. Like, yeah, you throw it, and you're like, oh, oh okay. You know, that was a good pass, and kind of like that. So, um, you know, with that, you know, playing from a little early game adversity, thought that was really good to see. And then, uh, you know, watching a little film and watching some of the the shows, um, like with Dan Orlovsky, he mentioned a point to where, uh, you know, Dak like you said, pre-snap, but once the ball gets snapped to him, a lot of things he does, and this is obviously pre-snap, learning the coverage, seeing what's going to happen, knowing where your routes are and everything, is his shoulder and eye and head work and being able to look off safeties. And like on that C.D. Lamb one, if you look on the play, he's got a safety high over the middle, and basically he's running that skinny post route, and what he's doing is hiking the ball. He gets the ball, and he literally turns – Boom, one second, sees that safety, adjusts his body just a little bit, and then flips and throws an absolute laser in a tight window to to CeeDee Lamb. And so I thought that was really impressive to see him do to do stuff like that. Obviously, the the footwork and everything, it, it's good to see that Dak Prescott's legs still work again. Um, and I that that's gotta be a big part of his game going forward. Uh it because it just shows how you know, it's just it's just another element to got to pay attention to. Um, that's kind of the the big things I had written down. You know, A to A plus, and you know, being able to do, you know, some of those other intangible things really well. Uh, you know, to have a game like this, and you know, thirty one passes, like we've talked about, that's kind of the golden area of where you like Dak yes. Prescott yeah. from, like, you know, twenty six to like thirty two, thirty four. Any, any more than that, and you're like, ah, you know, it's kind of like that's when, you know, it, it seems to not go as well. So, uh, yeah. you know, really good game from him. Probably one of his, if not his best game this year. Yeah, I agree. All good points there. Um, and we'll transition into Dallas Cowboys versus the Philadelphia Eagles in week nine, 325 p.m. on Fox. Game is in Philadelphia. We got the little Tinker Tank parade on there on the bottom. 
yeah, so let's go over our keys to, to success in this game. Um, and then we'll do our score predictions and why. Uh, my keys to success in this game for the de- defense is to minimize, you know, third and short, um, control that run game, hover a safety atop of A.J. Brown, you know, just minimize the threats, the major threats on this field um, more than anything else. You know, instead of worrying about the offense as a whole, um, we need to worry about those key making playmakers um, and that dominating run game. You know, the offensive line for the Philadelphia Eagles as a whole is going to be a dominating force in this game. Um, you know, we're going to have to find ways to stop the tush push. If we get the trick is to not get in that scenario uh, where the Dallas Cowboys and Philadelphia Eagles thrive most of the time is third and short. Um, they do a phenomenal, the Eagles do a much better job than the Cowboys, but yeah, uh, Dak Prescott has a tendency to bail us out of third and five plus um, scenarios, which I think is mainly on the play caller, unless it's just a clear miss. So we need to eliminate those mistakes uh, or those scenarios um, offensively for the Cowboys um, and just really attack um, those outside zones if, offensively for the Dallas Cowboys and power concepts. I think those are key. Um, cause that's, that's the name of the game for Tony Pollard, um, is getting outside that tackle box. And you, you were the first to touch on that a couple weeks ago, but, um, it's kind of that unsung take, uh, but our left tackles are a little banged up, you know, Tyron Smith, I, I believe he'll play this week. Um, and then, you know, Chuba, I think got an injury. I'm not sure what his diagnosis is, but I'm, I'm not sure he'll be confident enough to go in this game, but I believe Tyron Smith will be ready. It's important to keep an eye on that. And, of course, Terrence Steele is still recovering from that ACL. Um, but, yeah, uh, but left tackles are banged up. So I, I believe Dak Prescott will face pressure in this game. Luckily, he's a pretty good quarterback under pressure uh, statistically. So hopefully he keeps his composure. And then that last little touch on um, defense and off- offense is, you know, if Hurts is on time, he's going to be money. Um, so once he scrambles and we get that pressure to him, um, he's extremely limited in his aerial attack, and and that's a very positive sign for a guy like Deron Bland, um, and especially our safeties who are usually working downhill more than they are retreating. Uh, and then time of possession for the offense. If we can control the clock and kind of flip the script, if you will, on the Philadelphia Eagles, you could see a very positive outcome in this game. Um, but, yeah, what are your keys to success Um in this game for the field of Eagles and Dallas Cowboys. Yeah. Uh, a lot of similar points, especially when talking about like AJ Brown. Um, and I think this is going to kind of go both ways for the Cowboys and the Eagles is I think they're going to do what, whatever they can to take that number one weapon away. And I think it's going to be a key to each team um, is like, you know, AJ Brown seems to be like, you know, similar to like a Travis Kelsey for, for Patrick Mahomes. That's that safety net, but that's also like that, that big weapon, it's like if it, AJ's down there somewhere, and it, it always seems to work out. Um, so I think that's that's the number one is you can't let AJ Brown beat you. Uh, and going into my my second point, uh, I think that and this kind of goes in with a couple points. I kind of have like let that cook slash expose the Philadelphia secondary. Um, I think you've got to go in with the same game plan as what you had with the last couple games, where it's like, hey, let's Let's get our let's get our quarterback in the rhythm. Let's let them know, like, hey, you know, we're not doing these five yard hitches. We're not going intermediate to middle. We're going media, media, uh intermediate to short. We're going short to intermediate passing. 
And so we're we're trying to work the with ball down the field and not just check it down. Um, and then third, I think this is going to be a big one is turnovers. Uh, I know with uh, you know some of the some of the opponents the Philadelphia Eagles been playing. I think the the Cowboys do what they do differently is they seem to uh, what's the word I'm looking for uh, turn. I mean I don't I don't know the word I'm looking for, but they convert turnovers into points a lot more than what it seems like a lot of the, you know, when Jalen Hurts is turning the ball over and whatnot, it seems like their defense kind of backs them up a lot. It seems with uh, the Cowboys, they seem to capitalize. That's what I'm looking for. Capitalize on turnovers uh, and, and really make the teams pay for it rather than, you know, turning it over on downs or, or going three and out whatnot. So I think we've got to win the turnover battle, force a turnover. Um, and then I think this is my prediction. I think uh, I think Brandon Cooks is going to have to be the playmaker. I think they're going to do whatever they can to stop C.D. Lamb from having the games he's having. I don't know if they can, but I think you know we're in that situation. And you're like, dude, they've got you know a guy on them, safety over the top of them, stuff like that. I think Brandon Cooks is going to be the big key component here. To where he may see eight plus targets this game and yeah. have one of those like classic, you know, Brandon Cooks games where you look up and you're like, dude, he's got seven catches for, you know, 115 yards and a touchdown. But one of his catches was like a 60 yard TD or something like that. Right. So yeah. I think he's going to be the big thing on offense. Uh, I completely agree with what you said on defense, you know, kind of get, you know, Jalen Hurts kind of out of rhythm a little bit. Um, but I also think that if the Eagles want to play that game that they've tried to play with Jalen Hurts on everywhere else where it's like we're going to force him to throw the ball, I don't think that's going to work out very well. Um, I think our, our secondary uh, is going to be one of the better secondaries they've played, and I yeah. just don't think – I think for the Eagles to succeed, they've got to do what they did well last year and be very run-heavy, run-dominant. And like we've talked about with running quarterbacks against the Cowboys, yep, use yep. him as part of that main game plan, and that's what gives them a lot of trouble um, is is rushing quarterbacks. And so, uh, you know, the biggest thing is going to be contain him and, and keep him off rhythm. Um, but did you did you give a score? No, no, no I was about to ask you to. I was, I was going to let you do yours first, and I'll follow. Okay, I, I'm going in pretty confident with this, especially now I'm going in confident if we keep the same game plan and stuff that we've been doing and implement it against the Eagles, I'm very confident. If yes. we revert back to like, oh, we're playing a better team, we can't take chances, then I'm not very confident. But I'm going to go in confident. I'm going to be glass, glass half full. Uh, I'm going to go with 28-24 Dallas. Okay. Well, I'm going to go with my gut in this game because – I ignored it when we went against it. Well, not I, I listened to it. I'm sorry. We I mean, went against the 49ers and fortunately I was correct, but I was praying that I'd be wrong. Um, I think Dallas Cowboys, I don't know yet if they're still all talk and I don't know how they're going to perform against arguably one of the, it's a, a number one or two or three team in the NFL. And I'm not sure Dallas is quite there yet. Um, Although, do I believe that they can be? Yes, but they have to show me this game. I just still haven't seen it. I've seen it against those average teams that we should beat up on, and those are impressive to say the least. And 
I think this is going to be a very, very close game. And I think we're going to play them well. But I think the Eagles come out on top 27 to 23 uh, with a W in Philadelphia. And then I think we possibly could beat the brakes off of them in AT&T weeks down the road after we win um, three or four games or so. Because after this game versus Philadelphia, we've got four games in a row that on the schedule should be easy wins until we hit the December gauntlet of uh, Philadelphia, Miami, uh, Buffalo, and Detroit. So yeah. it's a if we win this game, and then the next time by the next time we play the Philadelphia Eagles, we win those next four as well. We would be sitting at ten and two, and then if we lose and we win those next four games, we're sitting at nine and three. I'll take both. Yeah, so, exactly. Yeah, and I, I just think it'd be really nice to see the Cowboys perform like they should against a good team. And I'm hoping to speak it into not into existence, but you know, I'm going with my gut here. I have confidence in the Cowboys. I just I want to see it first. So I'm gonna be realistic. I got the Eagles 27, Cowboys 23. Um yes. but yeah, and my mamas don't let you cowboys is mamas don't let you cowboys uh let the Eagles tush push our ass. Um <laughs> nice. and the reason why is because that's pretty it's practically unstoppable. So yeah. My uh my mamas don't let your cowboys is mamas don't let your cowboys start off the game slow. Uh we kind of yeah. saw it with the Rams. Uh we've talked about the Rams. We don't know if they're good or bad. They're good enough to be bad teams, bad enough to get blown out by good teams. I don't think with the Eagles you could start off getting sacked three out of the first five plays and it worked out very well for you. So, mamas, yeah. don't let your Cowboys start off the Philadelphia Eagle games slow. Yes. Yeah, I totally agree. Sorry, my phone popped up, and uh, the, the score really hasn't changed in the World Series. Yeah, but the Jonah Heim just cranked another home run. So, it's 11 <laughs> to 1 in the eighth inning. <laughs> Still a 10-point game. Uh, it's nice to see him hit the ball. I haven't. don't think I've seen him actually get on base in a long time. No, they were uh, actually talking about it earlier, how he's been struggling. Yeah, so, it's been bad. He's yeah. got these big whiffs when he swings. But uh, all right, moving into the breakdown, and that includes to start off our two-minute drill brought to you by the medical guy and followed by the analyst who I will be covering for, um, and I'll be, will be able to provide Russell Wilson's pass chart and more. But to begin us with – the injury, which you also have a kind of a different way that you're kind of playing it this week, correct? Yes. Uh, so starting off the DB list, the injury, or not the DB list, uh, the two-minute drill, um, and just the injury analysis. I'm going to go through the list of injuries, and then I'm going to pick one out and show the video of it. It's not it's not too bad. It's not like Nick Chubb one. Uh, <laughs> but uh, I'll kind of explain kind of in depth, you know, where you're looking, you're supposed to be looking at and what you're looking at, and then kind of just explain the injury and the rehab process as whole. Um, but I'm going to go through the list first, pull up the video. Uh, this will be a trial by fire and air, so hopefully everything works. Um, we'll get but, <laughs> yeah, but first, we're going to start off Kendrick Bourne, torn ACL. He's out. Uh, last few games, he's actually been getting, I think it was like 10 to 12 targets a game. Kind of been a pretty decent fantasy pick, um, but tough to see that injury. Uh what I talked about earlier is someone on this defense with the Kansas City Chiefs um, that is a big contributor 
and it's going to be real interesting, is Nick Bolton. He had a wrist injury, and he is going to the IR. So he is out for at least the next four weeks. Uh, he's a big-time uh, linebacker in the middle of that field for that defense, bringing pressure, everything like that. So it's going to be interesting to watch for that Chiefs defense. Matt Stafford with a right thumb, UCL sprain. Uh, one of the one of the acronyms in there, UCL, you think about that in your elbow. You also have one in your thumb. Um, it's on that right thumb, the one you throw with or one he throws with. So it'll be real interesting looking at, you know, how the offense kind of moves when, you know, we've seen how, you know, like with Russell Wilson and Dak Prescott and I think it was Derek Carr uh, and I think even Drew Brees, you know, they had those thumb injuries and it takes them a little bit to get used to it and whatnot. So it's going to be real interesting uh, to see how that plays out, especially with those receivers that they have. You got Puka Nakua, had a little knee swelling. Um, said he's going to be all right this week. We'll just keep an eye on, on that. Uh, Darren Waller had to leave the game for a hamstring injury. He's known for kind of a more uh, explosive, agile tight end. Like I've said before, those soft tissue injuries for those explosive players don't don't work out well. Um, and then, unfortunately for this guy, Tyrod Taylor, man, he had to go to the hospital for his ribs. Uh, I know a couple years ago he had to do the same thing. A little different this time than last time. Nobody got sued or fired from their job like they did last time. Um but uh, it seems like everything's checked out okay. But, however, if he's not able to play, uh, I don't know what the Giants are going to do because I don't know if Daniel Jones is going to be back or not, um, which leads to my next one. Daniel Jones with his neck is still questionable. Uh, so, I don't know. They might have, like, the Broncos a few years ago when all their quarterbacks went out to a party and got COVID and couldn't play. Uh, it <laughs> might be like that where they might be calling in uh, the Rook Jared May to come play quarterback for the New York Giants. So, Shit, I play better um, than Daniel Jones, though. Yeah, yeah. And then last one <laughs> on here is – or the last yeah. one that I'm going to mention and then I'm going to go into explanation is going into this Cowboy game, you got Jalen Carter uh, ended up having a back injury. Uh, for those people up front, there's so much stress put on the back when you're having, you know, basically to control, uh, you know, getting pulled or, or thrown around whether you're on the line. And, and same thing with like, you know, you end up at the bottom of the pile all the time. It, you know, it's never a good thing with back and backs for for dudes like that. And people on O-line or D-line usually don't work out too well. Um, but next is our Kirk Cousins injury, kind of the big one of the week. It's an Achilles injury. Um, right. I'm actually going to pull up the video I have of it. If you'll allow me to share my screen. Yep. Go ahead. And I should be able to view it on the bottom here. It's always a fun process getting this. You never know. When I do mine at the beginning of the of the pod, usually it's like ah, like the, yeah. the heave of the week itself. You know. Yeah. So you um, let, you let me know because I'm just looking at us right now. Okay, so go to the bottom and you'll press uh, present. All right. Share screen. Yep. And then there should be like a a tab you click on. Click on. Okay. Cool. Yeah, there you go. Here we are. All right. So and then you can operate. On, yeah. So I'm going to make it like that. Okay. And I'm going to slow the speed down by a little bit. Okay. And so what we're going to do is we're going to look at his right leg. So kind of in the calf area. And I'm going to, it's going to go slow. Uh, but what you have is you have that Achilles. What, what it is, is it's a tendon that attaches, or really the calf attaches to the tendon. And I'm going to play it right here. Ooh. Okay, for, I'm going to turn that sound off. 
because it came through kind of weird on on mine. Luckily, it wasn't too loud. So okay, it, but yeah, we I'll saw. I definitely it. saw it. Yeah. So what you're gonna look at is that right calf, and so what happens is when you go into that extreme dorsiflexion or when that foot comes up, and if it tears, it looks like it, the easiest term is like a quiver through yeah. that calf, and what that is is it's that. So if you look, boom, right boom. there where that calf yeah. kind of jerks up like that. So now that we've all seen that, what it is, is think of like, think of like when you're holding a rubber band from two ends and you cut yes. it at one end and it shoots back up to your finger. Okay. And uh, that's what it's doing is that that muscle, that calf that comes down and connects is shooting back up towards the calf. And so what that calf allows you to do is basically move your foot like that. And so that's why you saw, if you watched the rest of the play, he took a step and couldn't do anything. And so, uh, you know, it's a brutal injury. Uh, and, you know, we had one early in the year with Aaron Rodgers. Uh, they're brutal injuries. They're tough injuries. And basically what you have to do is kind of essentially reconnect the tendon and more or less tied up, basically and then have that surgery and whatnot. And then you spend the next six to six plus ish months trying to stretch that tendon back out to its normal length. And so it really is kind of a gruesome injury. And it's honestly almost probably a more gruesome rehab because you go from attaching a tendon and letting your foot stay in a fixed position for a few weeks. And then you, all you're doing is working it way back, trying to get it to straighten out again. Um, and so it isn't necessarily career ending or anything like that, especially since he's a quarterback. It's just tough that it, like we've talked about before, is that it's coming off a season where he's been decent and playing without some of his weapons and then going into a contract year. And so that's that's where you got to look at that. However, I mean, he should be fine by next season. Um, but yeah, so the return table will probably be about six to eight months. Yeah. Um, but that's just kind of the little new analysis I'm trying to do to try to explain and show just a little more insight to the injury thing and, and kind yeah. of if you've seen it before or if you see it again or whatever, like, oh, well, that's that. That looks like that when they slow it down and whatnot. So just something that's kind of what I do every day and have to deal with. So it's something I just want to share with, with everybody and, and all that. Um, I must say that that was badass. So <laughs> we got the visual and we got – the the analysis of what can happen and the process of rehab all in about less than five minutes so like and you the the analogy i was going to bring up and i'm glad i didn't interrupt you because you brought it up perfectly um i was gonna say it looks like a rubber band like vibrating and dispersing as if you were yeah. watching like uh, a christopher nolan movie and all <laughs> everything's just like spiraling yeah. and vibrating yeah. and you could see it and now when you see those replays you know, moving on to the next week or hopefully we don't see any more of those. Yeah. Um, you know, we can always disperse whether they were on turf or grass, whatever. Um, but for weeks to come, when you're watching these injuries and we've gone over these diagnoses and probably going to post them. Right. And we see them and we can identify them. So, yeah. and go, Oh, rehab is this long because so yeah, that, that was awesome. Uh, fantastic job there. And I'll close out the, the two minute drill with um, some of uh, the analyst takes right here. And he oh. titles it the NFC beast. Uh, oh, eight, sure. What's up? Hold on. We're missing one, one part. Oh, 
Give him that DB list, son. The DB list. Now, unfortunately, fortunately, you've you've already mentioned it, but on my DB list are the the damn umpires for what's going on in the World Series right now. And then I want to specify, especially in the American League, we saw it in the ALCS, both sides. And, I mean, this is just – it's just pushing more and more towards having an automatic strike zone or having a challenging system, which I think would be better than automatic strike zone because then, I mean, basically just have a catcher somewhere back there and it kind of takes a human error out of it a little bit, but having the ability to challenge it, I think, you know, not only keeps umpires in check, but also keeps the hitter in check. So, but oh no, that looked like you threw it a little zen baby. Oh no, 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 no. Oh, okay, I was like, oh <laughs> man, this <laughs> mid pod, he was like mid talk. You're like, and I was like, oh no, shit, no, no, all no. right, yeah, a little little Tucker, little Tucker Carlson there. <laughs> no, I'm not, I'm not that smooth with it. Um, but but it kind of it kind of would, would hold each side accountable, right? You know, a hitter's like, oh, dude, that's not a that's not a strike. This is BS, blah, blah, blah. And then it's like, oh, yeah. well, let's challenge it. Oh, it is a strike, so get the F on. And so uh, that's just kind of my DB list. It's gotten, it's gotten, I mean, really bad. I don't really remember yeah. it being that bad. Especially and, in postseason. And it's gotten so bad at the biggest stages. And, I mean, you know, last night, uh, I know it was, it was a Rangers pitcher, but – it was a three-one count. Jose Leclerc yes. at the at the end of the game, like brother, that ball was three inches off the plate. Like that hit that yes. would have hit if that would have hit the dirt. That's hitting the chalk of the white. I want to talk about that Ooh. specifically because what got the headlines was the three-one pitch. What yeah. didn't get the head headlines was the two-zero pitch, which was a right down the middle strike on yeah. a slider that was not called a strike, which yeah. made it three-one, which then. We were owed that call that was off the plate yeah. by like three or four centimeters or, you know, half a baseball or whatever it was, yeah. which wasn't a strike. It's just awful. It's just yeah. awful umpiring. And to go back to your point with the challenge, they're trying to speed up baseball. So there's got to be a way you can regulate a challenge that is quick and easy, that's wired direct to the umpire and say, you know, have a signal that goes, Look, well, I don't know if that was a ball or a strike, and then they go, "That was a strike," according to our AI, and then. Whoo. Well, in the in the minor leagues in AAA, they're they've been because that's where they test everything out. Is they've been testing it, and so all it is is like, hey, you know, umpire calls a strike, batter thinks it's a ball. They look up, tap their head, because uh, I know the the outfielder for the Yankees. They had a video of him doing it, the Dominguez guy, and uh-huh. when he was in AAA, and he taps his head. And he takes a step out of the box. They look up there, and they literally wired in. And the, on the big screen, it says ball was changed or strike was changed to a ball. And it was like done within like eight seconds, maybe. Perfect. And so, yeah. and they definitely just, need to do that. Like I, I don't know. It's just funny. It just sounds too easy. It's like what? Like yeah, it's like, yeah. Oh, it's too simple. We're not going to do it. It's like it oh, seems okay. self-explanatory. I understand human error is one thing, but when you're ranked like bottom. Oh, damn yeah. near two percent of bottom of the barrel umpiring in yeah. the postseason when it matters the most, which affected both the Astros and the Rangers, like you said, especially in the AL. Yeah. It something needs to be changed because I didn't think humans got that bad. <laughs> yeah, and I think I've read like the last two, maybe three games, the umpires have been like out of the 92 umpires or whatever, I think they've been like 58th, 64th, and like 72nd. I'm like, hey, bro, where are the studs at? Like, get yeah, those where are they at? <laughs> like, 
Like, you know, treat them like the players and bring in your top 15 and just rotate them. Like, damn. Yeah, exactly. It's just been it's just been so bad. So down bad list are umpires, especially in the playoffs and specifically uh, with the ALCS and then seeing the calls kind of going against the Rangers and whatnot. Awesome. All right. Well, two minute drill um, with the analysis (laughs) part of the uh, of the spectrum. Uh, I'll share my screen. We'll go through our. um, Russell Wilson passing chart, and this is a good one. Um, let me go through it real quick. Um, as here we go. So, as you can see, we had a uh, 12 of 19, 114 yards, three touchdowns, and no interceptions with a <laughs> negative 2.4 CPOE. I don't even know how that's possible. Yeah, how do you do that? I, I don't even, yeah, that anyway. Um, Touchdown pass behind the line of scrimmage. Not sure how that's possible. <laughs> um, two boundary dots, 20 yards downfield. I believe one of them was to Jerry Judy. Uh, the rest of his completions were at or behind the line of scrimmage. I know it was snowing or that it was a snow game, but the field was completely, you know, it was unaffected because it got heated <laughs> fields. So yeah. you're out there doing this. I don't even know what this is. It just yeah. looks like crap. Um, and then, of course, you got the one bomb. Um, what is that? Uh, 30 that's 37 yards down the field, probably to somebody like Marvin Mims. But this is a typical uh Russell Wilson pass chart, no pass completions over the middle, three two completions over the middle, um, and somehow 12 completions, three touchdowns. With uh, I don't even know, wow, yeah, anyways, yeah, that's Russell Wilson for you. And then, of course, Ryan talks about the analyst talks about the NFC beast, AJ. Charlie Brown uh, transitions <laughs> us into Thanksgiving mode, breaking the record for consecutive games with 125 plus yards receiving. And CD had a little lamb transition into a goat versus the Rams, going 12 for 158, two touchdowns. And he's been a huge factor for Dallas's success. These two will be facing one another this Sunday for the NFC Beast Showdown. Um, we're going to have the kids' picks provided later on this week. But we're going to transition now into my portion portion of the podcast, the Rooks Looks Stardom Sitem. And thank God, thank the Lord above us, they're finally good this week. <laughs> so after, I would say, three or four weeks of just da- uh, being on the DB list, you could argue, um, <laughs> we're back. Um, I told everybody, a little re- recap of week eight, told everybody to start Deontay Johnson Cha-ching, 16.50 PPR points, eight receptions, 85 yards. Like I mentioned last week, revamped offense with him being back in the mix. Uh, possession receiver, he's going to get healthy targets. He had 14. Um, start, Devontae Smith had a feeling uh, that the wide receiver from Philadelphia was going to have a little breakout game. Uh, luckily for fantasy owners, both him and A.J. Brown had a great game, but two, two point, 22.90 PPR points, seven receptions, 90 yards, and a tutty. It's a weak Washington secondary. I said he is the the Washington commander's killer. Um, so, and then I told everybody to sit DeAndre Hopkins. Um, I I believe that um, Malik Willis was supposed to start this game, but they subbed in Will Levis, and the dude balled out. Uh, four catches out of six targets, 128 yards, and three touchdowns. Uh, three of them, of course, from Will Levis who threw four touchdowns in this game. Um, And then, of course, 
We had sit Daryl Henderson running back from the Los Angeles Rams. You could argue this is a kind of a gray area. I didn't really know if this is a green bean or not, but 11.50 PPR points for Darrell uh, Henderson, uh, 12 carries, 31 yards. So they shut him down on the ground, but he had those three catches for 54 yards. I think he broke out a, a little 20 yard screen. Uh, but other than that, he was uh, fairly actually he was minimized in this game. My sleeper of the week. Um, was T. Higgins, the wide receiver for Cincinnati. I said he was going get, to get back in the mix of things. Looking pretty healthy over here. He had five catches for 69 yards uh, versus a tough defense and the San Francisco 49ers. This is a confident sign for fantasy managers going forward, in my opinion, 11.90 PPR points. Now, moving into week nine, let's see if I can keep the streak for the Rooks looks and stay frosty. But we have a lot of rookies, which is kind of fitting to my name, but a lot of rookies in this startup set him. Um, Dalton Kincaid, Buffalo tight end. Dawson Knox is on the IR. He's, he has heavy involvement the last two weeks. I expect five-plus or more targets and red zone looks moving forward for Dalton Kincaid. Um, start, Quentin Johnson, uh, Los Angeles Chargers wide receiver. Josh Palmer banged up. Mike Williams got hurt earlier in the year. You saw an immediate impact from Quentin Johnson as soon as Josh Palmer left the game. Um, I believe he had five or so, excuse me, five or so catches for like 50 or so yards um, in less than a game. So um, be looking for Quentin Johnson on your radars. Um, sit Will Levis, Tennessee quarterback. Uh, I spoke very highly of him, um, but the Thursday night football game versus the um, Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, it's a short week. It's probably, it's his first primetime game with the short week in his career. Against a very formidable defense, Mike Tomlin does a great job against most opposing quarterbacks that he faces. I think everybody should be lax for this game when you're going after him in fantasy, although people will probably just yank at the chain, so if you want to get ahead of the game, go ahead and grab him. But the following week, he should be maybe back to seeing Will Levis. But maybe he surprises me. I hope he surprises me. I like the guy. Uh, sit Jordan Addison, Minnesota wide receiver. You know They traded for uh, Josh Dobbs. Um, it was going to be Jalen Hall for a minute. I'm not sure what to expect. I, I still expect some healthy targets from Jordan Addison, uh, but I just I don't know what to expect. So I would stash him on your bench for a week and just kind of test the waters. Um, and don't put your foot in the water, but just kind of test the waters with a little thermometer with him on your bench um, and then have that immediate regret, regret when he scores 35 this week. But um, sleeper, Chubba Hubbard, Carolina running back. Um, he overthrew Miles Sanders with a 67% snap count for the Carolina Panthers in their victory against the Texans. Um, no run game uh, for the Carolina Panthers, but he's always been kind of involved in the passing game, so you could see some upside, maybe a Rashad White type of flex player um, this week. Um, and, of course, per usual, to close out the Rooks looks, um, I have the heave of the week, which I have now mastered, and I'm excited to show everybody. Um, this one is Dak Prescott to Brandon Cooks. So this is what I've been waiting for for a long time to do a, a heave of the week um, for Dakota Rain Prescott. Um, so here, I'll share my screen for you guys right quick. We got the volume down, and we are <laughs> ready to go. All right. I can give us a play by play All right. Oh, oh, here we go. Here we go. 17 to 36 Dallas Cowboys lead. Just the start of the fourth quarter here. Four seconds left on the play clock. Dak Prescott in the shotgun, single backfield with doubles high on your top of your screen. Prescott takes a snap, faces a five man rush, and he 
Cruz and deep to Brandon Cooks, who cooks the receiver on the ground. Number 44, you are unemployed. <laughs> oh, dude, that worked perfectly. Awesome. And it didn't cut out at all. Perfect. Awesome. Good deal. And, of course, that is our heave of the week. Um, and we will now transition into our tier list, tier list of our week nine NFL track hierarchy tier list. And we're going to start off with the medical guy giving us his tier list. So what you got in your top 10? All right. So, uh, I've made, I've actually made my first actual tier list. There's no top 10. Um, awesome. would you like the screen to be shared or no? Let's do it. Yeah. Let's, let's be All great. right. So let's, let's do this twice. Here we go. Here we go. Here we go. <laughs> We're getting better as we get along. As we go mm-hmm, along, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Dwayne the Rock Johnson. <laughs> okay, it's not letting me share a photo. Oh, uh, go to window. Check, check it, window on your. Yeah, there we go. Share. All right, we're in this hoe. How's that looking? Looking good. There we go. All right, so I've made a tier list because it seems I don't know what the hell I'm talking about putting anybody in a top ten. So we went from top. The bottom um and what i really should have had is i should have had a poverty or worst teams in the league list as well because you know any team the cowboys play all all of a sudden automatically goes to uh the very bottom of the nfl might as well be a division two or nai uh football team you know that's just how <laughs> it goes with the media so um as you can see though I have my tears in good, okay, I don't have a clue what I'm talking about, bad, uh, and bad but young. So <laughs> we'll start off with the bad but young. We got the the Houston Bulls on Parade, uh, you know, Bulls on Parade, Texans. You got C.J. Stroud Boyd back there. Um, he's been swinging the rock. However, he lost to, you know, the Panthers, which was surprising to me. Um, but we've got them at bad but young. Speaking of the Panthers, we've got uh, what seems uh, like the better quarterback of the draft, uh, Bryce Young, because he <laughs> beat C.J. Stroud uh, for the Panthers. and Childhood uh, friends. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, I, it's really hard not to put the Panthers that bad uh, since they, you know, have essentially been winless um, until they played the other bad team, the Texans. So I have them bad but young. Um, and now a team that is going to be bad and young with no players, uh, the Washington Commanders. Um, yeah, no I, I, I just kind of feel sorry for them because it, I didn't think they were that bad. Like they, they do some things that are good. Their offense seems like, you know, they can kind of sling it a little bit. And Sam Howell seems to be, Sam Howell kind of seems to me similar like Taylor Heineke, like, you know, he could go out there and be like, you know, hey, boys, you know, sit down and let daddy work and stuff like that nice. and sling it. And then some Chunk game, you're of like, hey. bush light. yeah, you're like, hey, bro, <laughs> just, just hand the ball off. Like, don't ever throw a bit football again. Um, and then next we have uh, the Chicago Bears. Uh, you could put them in the I don't know as well, because I don't think they know what they're doing. So uh, they're going to be in the bad but young. You can put their front office in the I don't knows because who knows. Then last, I have the Colts, uh, obviously, because they lost the quarterback. They've got Gardner Minshew. They've got a lot of young pieces around them. 
Uh, I don't know. I really don't know what's going on at running back for them. Uh, apparently, they've got two stud running backs, and they paid one a billion dollars, and the other one can be just as good as him. So they're kind of in an interest, interesting position, but they're pretty young, and so they, they seem like they could be sneaky. Next, we'll go with bad. We've got the Arizona Cardinals, uh, who apparently aren't going to play Kyler Murray. They're going to play Clayton Toon. Uh, so we'll see how great that goes. Uh, there's not much to say on them. They, yeah, however, however they have played. Uh, they did beat the Cowboys, so uh, there's that. Next is the Steelers. I think they're a bad football team. I don't think their offense is very good. Uh, I think their defense is good just because they wear a Steelers jersey and everybody thinks they're good uh, just because the Steelers <laughs> are known for having a good defense, but I don't think it's very good. Next is the Patriots. Uh, this is probably the worst position you could be in uh, because they drafted their guy. He's still got a couple years left. They have no weapons on offense. Their defense has one weapon, uh, which I did get C.J. Jackson back. But, I mean, they just look like they just suck. Um, next is the Titans, which, uh, I mean, you could move them into bad but young as well. However, they really just have two young guys on their team. Uh, yeah. and that's Traylon Burks, who's not any good, and uh, <laughs> and Will Levis, who apparently can throw a ball, you know, to the moon. Um, and also DeAndre Hopkins didn't know if you knew this, Jared, but he's still good. Uh, so you know, maybe you throw <laughs> it to him a couple times. Um, somehow a team in a worse position is the New York Giants. They could be, uh, they could also be put on the DB list. I uh, don't think they're very good. They, uh, their, their quarterback situation and team situation is just awful. Um, next is the Packers. Uh, yeah, don't know what's going on there. Is LaFleur any good? We don't know. Is Love any good? We That's also a young know. team, too. Yeah, um, so it'll be interesting to see. However, their O-line is pretty bad, so I just have them at bad. And then the Raiders and the Broncos, I don't think I need to explain anything with either of them. Don't uh, get me started on the Raiders. Yeah, oh my the, God. the Raiders – uh, quarterback's not very good, um, and Devontae Adams looked like he would rather be punching himself in the face uh, than actually playing football and getting hit in the face. I will uh, say this about the Raiders. I I watched the Rangers game last night, Monday night, and we won, and I was very happy because we're up 2-1 in the series, about to be up 3-1, and I flipped to the Monday night football game. <laughs> With less than four minutes left to play, and I was like, let's see how this game ends. Raiders have a chance to do something here. Devontae Adams hits a double hezzy, dig, go, wide open. And, dude, I, like, I've never been so mad at a quarterback I never even cared about in the first place. You're in the NFL, and you miss that throw. It is it is beyond me how that happens. It. it for some reason, that throw aggravated the absolute hell out of me because I already knew Tay was upset. And, man, oh, my God. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, to make you team. even more mad, that was I, that was his third one that game to do that. Yeah, um, I think so, we first. I would have shot myself or slipped my throat with this knife on my breastplate here. Yeah, there we go. It could have been like Ricky Bobby, stab yourself in the leg. Um, so, uh, <laughs> next we have the Timber Broncos. Uh Receivers good, quarterback bad. Um, and then next we'll move into the I have no damn clue if these teams are good or bad or okay. And they're most of them are not good. Yeah. So uh I've got the Chargers. Uh yeah, no clue. Um <laughs> the Jets, they I mean, they beat good teams <laughs> and then you know they 
get beat 40 to three or whatever it was by the Cowboys. So I, yeah. you, you have no clue. The Saints could easily be put in the bad. The reason I haven't is because they have so many talented weapons on that team. It's just like, I, I just can't put them at bad. Uh, the Falcons kind of the same way. It's, I think they need a quarterback change. I think if they go with Heineke, it's going to work out a little bit better. Yeah. Ritter, I think Ritter just kind of had his fold for a game or two, but in his career, he just hasn't been great. Um, same with the, with the Baker Mayfields. Uh, I, I, this, this kind of list right here is kind of sums it up as like, can be bad teams could steal one or two from a good team, but ultimately they're not, I don't know. Yeah. Which then, is exactly how you describe the Rams last yeah, the, or two weeks ago, or whatever. It was. The Rams are, if you could picture like, you know, when you're drafting in fantasy football and you like see a name and you're like, oh yeah, they're still good. Or, oh, yeah. I need to get that. That's what the Rams kind of look like to me. It's like, right. they've got Stafford, they've got Donald, they've got these guys. And it's like, but they're not really like, obviously some of the singular players like Cooper Cup is good, but right. like, we didn't know who Puka Nakua was or Atwell was. And it's just like, what the hell? And it's right. like, we don't know if they're good or not. And then the Vikings, unfortunately, due to injuries, are kind of in that I don't know if they're good or not. Okay. Next, we're going to get into the OKs. Okay. Honestly, I probably could have put the Bengals in the good, but when you start off 0-4, I can't I can't put you in the good just yet. Um, right. So we've got jo- Joe Burrow. We've got Mr. 7-Eleven himself. We've got Mr. Broken Ribs, T. Higgins. He's good <laughs> to go now. He's in that thing. Uh, you know, Joe Mixon, one-two punch, knockout, playing, and they seem to be doing good. So I have an okay. Next, we have the Bills. The reason I have the Bills in okay is because team. is because it literally their team is a, like their quarterback and their team are defined the same. He could be just the best player in the league for five games in a row and then have three where you're like, dude, what are you doing? And so that's just kind of with them. The Browns, I have them at okay just because their quarterback's not very good. Um, I think the rest of their team is actually pretty decent, but their quarterback, well, P.J. Walker is not good, not as well athletically and talent-wise. I think he's like a at a ceiling, like a C plus. Yeah, know? I would say so. And then their other quarterback is just an F, um, Deshaun Watson. <laughs> he's just <laughs> he's he's an F as a player and as a human being. Yeah, um, for a rating, so, I'd probably give him a sixty-nine. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so. If uh, if if we put Sean Watson in a category, it would be bad. Um, <laughs> and so next we move into good. We've got the Cowboys, the Dolphins, the Kansas City Chiefs, the Baltimore Ravens, the Jaguars, the Eagles, the Seahawks, the Lions, and the 49ers. And if the 49ers don't figure it out, they're going to go to OK. Um, so <laughs> that's kind of my list of the top 32 teams or however many teams are in the NFL. Obviously, you can take the ones that – uh, the Cowboys have beat and put them in poverty because you know how the media spins it. Um, but, you know, you can kind of figure out who my top 10 is, top nine, top 10, that top good category. But that's kind of how I, I did it because it seems like every week I put somebody in my top 10 and they get yeah. beat and I can't keep going with my same route. And this past week, multiple of my top 10 got beat. So it was like, 
if I did a top 10, like the freaking Titans would be in the top 10. So I can't do that. So yeah, we're not doing that. <laughs> yeah. We so gotta, we've got to remain professional on that yeah, somehow. Dude, it was, it was, it was tough when I was trying to make my top 10 earlier. I was like, dude, these teams I can't put these in here. So that's well, you have I, nine, you have nine that are in your good category, which everyone would, would definitely argue that you need to put them in your top 10. So it worked out great. And yeah. there's okay. And I don't know, teams are always hovering between, top 10 yeah. and not worth a shit so <laughs> yeah yeah no i don't know it's just like it's like every other week it's like dude what the hell is going on like figure it out and yeah funny enough all those in that i don't know are either four and four or three and four so it, it ended up working out perfect so i was like all right well i'm gonna just roll with this so makes complete sense well i have a tier lease as well and i posted <laughs> this one to twitter uh not too long ago <laughs> you got like 12 different categories <laughs> i'm, gonna I'm not sure if people bigger. can see i'm gonna go to full screen here and see if i can actually see it myself so okay yeah you can watch it you can probably see that okay uh all right so number one i'll start from the the bottom and work my way up we still got the tonight we are young category mm -hmm. same thing as you packers commanders falcons and Cardinals, obviously, if you're watching this, you should probably look at the tier list so you can see it <laughs> or go to Twitter. Um, Gavin Newsom made the call. Um, 49ers have lost three straight. The Rams got routed by the Cowboys, and the uh, Chargers beat the uh, the Chicago Bears on Monday Night Football. Um, first win of the season goes to the Panthers, so they're in there. Everybody beats Houston, apparently. Uh, tough week for the city of Houston. The refs are against us. Mike McDaniel's kind of gone uh a wall on twitter uh going after the officiating crews um as well as uh deontay johnson in the locker room yeah with the the pittsburgh steelers and then of course the achilles injury um <laughs> so i would say this category also would mean owen one versus science um so uh aaron Rodgers and kirk cousins kirk cousins is bound on faith uh, Aaron Rodgers is bound spiritually. So um, apparently both did not work for the Achilles, which sucks. Um, and then you got what the, f you know, is going on. And that's with the Saints and that's with the the freaking Bills. Uh, like you said, you don't know who's going to move the wagons for the Bills. And as far as the uh, the Saints go, I mean, Derek Carr is in heave mode half the time. They will only beat you if they can field goal your ass to death. Yeah. Um, but then they all of a sudden scored 40 points this week. So yeah. I don't know. All right, played Taylor Swift and paid the price. Uh, and that's the Chiefs, and that's the Broncos. You play Taylor Swift at your home stadium, you get karma by getting played Taylor Swift at the opposing team stadium. And then the NFC Beast, this one's actually for real. The, the Eagles and the Cowboys, I think they're very, very close to running the NFC. Uh, and then greatest shows on turf, apparently, the Tennessee Titans with Will Levis. I mean, <laughs> this is the greatest show on turf, apparently. <laughs> and I bet his wife or his ex-girlfriend is the greatest show on the bed, but oh we're going to, but AO <laughs> pause, but um, the Ravens, Seahawks, Bengals, Jaguars, these dudes, they're guys. We got guys out got there guys. playing the greatest show on turf. And then poverty city had to put them at number one, the city of Houston get fucked. So <laughs> he forgot, he forgot the giants. They don't even count. <laughs> oh yeah. There's a couple of teams. Yeah. There's a couple of oh, okay. teams that are not included in this. Because these are special categories. There we go. Um, but yeah, that is my tier list going into that. Um, <laughs> uh, 
Um, but yeah, I mean, just to kind of give a little breakdown of some movement in the actual top 10, um, I've got, and I'll, I'll just share the list and I'll give you all a quick, quick peep and then we'll wrap this, this puppy up. Um, here we are. We've got a little, little categorization here. Field Jump Eagles at number one. Um, they move up four slots. Kansas City Chiefs move down three slots. Uh, Miami Dolphins, Dolphins stay where they're at at number five. The Cowboys move up two slots. Remember, they're not going past six until they beat somebody relevant. Yeah. So they are not going to be a top five team until that happens. The Bills, I put these three teams in the same spot for a reason. The Miami Dolphins, the Dallas Cowboys, and the Buffalo Bills because we will play one another come December. Um, and the rankings will matter then more than it does now. But they're all the Bills and the Cowboys are streaky teams, as well as the Dolphins. They're all they're all three are streaky teams who have not proven they can beat a good a great team. So we'll see. Uh the Lions kind of stay where they're at. Bengals make their way into the top 10, and the Seattle Seahawks round it up at number 10. But uh, that is the uh the adjustment period from week eight into week nine. And then we got our track records of the week. My track record is my, since I'm a, a ghost from Call of Duty, Modern Warfare 3 coming out soon in November. Uh, but my KD in Modern Warfare 2019 was 1.43. So Damn. if you want to get with it, a little bit of cyber tax search playlist, hit me up on Twitch. Uh, I'll be on there as 9mm9 on Xbox. 9mm9. 9mm9. You know, I got the little tactical setup here with the knife and the comms. Um, <laughs> so, we're, you know, we're ready to go. I almost put my 9 in the thing, but I, like I said, I'm not John Morant. But yeah, 1.43 KD, fuck when we do. But uh, <laughs> I do uh, like that one video just in the grind and like just sweat rolling down his face and everything. Oh, he's like, <laughs> Yeah, just I mean, just face face to screen. Just, He's sweating. Oh, <laughs> yeah, that, that's what you were doing. <sighs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that'd, be, that'd be the that'd be Travis sometimes. Look, he. Oh yeah, we've all been there. Hey, during COVID, when uh when none of us were working and Warzone oh, yeah. came out, you you already know. Oh, you yeah. already should know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, we'll get to my records of the week. Uh, we're gonna go with the Dallas Cowboys and uh, Los Angeles Rams score 40 to 23. Scoregami, okay, scoregami that, that had never happened before. Um, my other one was gonna be the AJ Brown record, but since it's I guess Eagles week, they want to mention that, Ugh. so. Yeah. Uh, so I went with the Dallas Cowboys 40 to 23, which honestly doesn't seem like that rare of a score. Um, oh, 43 to 20. Yeah. Oh, was it 43 to 20? Yeah, 43 to 20. Oh, okay. But it is a scoregami. Yeah. Yeah, 43 to 20. Sorry. Yeah. Um, yeah, ruined the whole thing. 43 to 20. Um, first time it's ever been done. So go Cowboys. Go Cowboys. How about them? All right. That wraps up track 20. The light skin war. Um, you can click and see the clicker on the bottom. We've got all of our sources up there. You can follow the track pod on Instagram at track.pod. We'll be posting a lot of memes. We got our meme guy on it. Uh, me and him usually collab and create the content you see on TikTok as well. You can find us there on track.pod. 
um, x.com for formerly Twitter at the track pod. And then find the link tree and all of our episodes, uh, all of our bios on Instagram, Twitter, and all the above um, to find all of our episodes. Um, you can support us, support the podcast on Patreon if you would like um, and become a member. It's, I believe it's, it's nothing, but it's, it's up to you. Well, you know, you know what I mean? It's, it's a donation. If you want to help us buy our $600 video mixer, whenever we get a, a freaking setup, you know, it's shit's expensive around here, but we're making content. We're growing. Um, we're getting some good um, engagement on the social media outlets and per usual medical guy. Thanks for joining. Happy Halloween to everybody. For those who celebrate Christ is King. And we've got the ghost and Dwayne the Rock Johnson up in yeah. this hoe. Bravo six going dark. <laughs>